If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah, listen. Saturday, July. (laughs) Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz Show live one night only or one afternoon only. Part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3pm. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going up for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3pm. Also 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah. Listen. 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 And get tickets. Buy tickets. Tickets at dogoonpod.com. Come. Let's do it. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with my delightful chums Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, it takes chum. you 11 seconds to say all that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, that's good? Oh, you think I could speed it up a bit? Oh, sure. But Hey everyone, welcome to the show Do Go On. Dave here. I mean, some people listen to it on like, you know, one and a half speed anyway. That's wow. probably what it sounds like. Mm. We should really mess with those people one week and just do an episode where we speak really, really, really fast. No, I'm going to do one where I just take really long breaks. I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> but to those people, they'll hear really long breaks. <laughs> just Are they listening really to one and a half pitches higher? Yeah, they're putting it up. Anyway, hello, Dave. Hello, Matt. Happy block once again. Happy, Happy block. block. We're Best the, time of the year. It's the pointy end now. Yeah. We're nearing the podium. Yeah. Why don't we just chuck another couple of steps on the podium? Exactly. Let's, say, let's call this the podium. <laughs> Who's going to stop us? No one. But for those that don't know what block is, Matt, what are we talking about? Well, we're actually now into Blovember. Um, <laughs> this is the first week of Blovember. So, Block, Toba, and Blovember. Oh, I shouldn't have asked him to explain. <laughs> yes. It's the time of year. It's a festival of ideas in a lot of ways. Dangerous yes, ideas. That's right. And um, mm. also interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's the most requested slash most voted for topic. Topics of the year. So I take all the most uh, requested topics in the hat, and then I also get extra suggestions from the Patreons, mm-hmm. put them into a massive poll. That goes out publicly. Thousands of people voted, and now we're counting down the nine most popular topics. Top nine, nothing like it. Yeah, and we're up to number five. So halfway through this episode, we are officially halfway through block. Ah, <gasps> uh, just like that. It's always oh, no. over so quickly. It's a bit of sweet, isn't it? Symphony. Uh, that's life. That's life. Uh, 
Dave, how does the show work very quickly before we start? So what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by one of the listeners. The person who's been assigned uh, that week's topic goes away, does a bit of research, brings it back to the group in the form of a report. And Matt, it's your turn to report this week with our fifth most requested topic. It took him 15 seconds to do that. Huh. Thanks for timing everything I well, do. I just happen to be sitting in front of the clock. Yeah. I'm bored, so. <laughs> Jess is watching the clock count down. She can't wait for this to be over. God damn. But it's got to start first. And to start, Matt, we usually start with a question. That's right. So I'm asking the question this week as it is my topic. And the question is this. What ill-fated cultural event uh-huh. was the focus of Jamie Crawford's three-part documentary series, Trainwreck? Uh, okay. Is it a train wreck? The, oh, good one. Is, uh, it, is it a not very clever title? Is it, is it about an actual train yeah, wreck? A cultural event like the opening of Puffing Billy. No. Where it wrecked. The 1988 disaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a musical event. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, was it the opening of Wicked? Cop that, Wicked. <laughs> You're a oh, fucking oh, no, train sorry. wreck. <laughs> sorry, a music, like a music festival. Can I say Quite, that? We've already done fire festival. But, uh, all right, if I'm wrong, correct me here. There were two documentaries at the time. Maybe. Oh, true. Jess already covered one. There are two documentaries about this one as well. Okay. Very similarly. One, um, yeah, the Netflix series, and mm-hmm. there was also another one that came out, I think, on HBO. Okay. Or something like that. Oh, okay. I've watched them all. Was this a 30-year reunion or yes. celebration of a previous topic we've yes. done? Woodstock. Yes. 99. Yes. Will you both get a point? That is that is exactly correct. Do um, we both get a point? That you both get a point. Thank you. I Great. believe so. Good work. Half a point each. Um, yeah, and Yeah, so Woodstock 99, it was the 30-year anniversary festival of Woodstock 69. Nice. Which, yeah, was that, did I do that as part of a Blocktober one year or was that just a, just a report? Just a report. There you go. Hmm. It felt epic. Yeah, it was. It was an epic. You know what? It felt muddy. <laughs> it, it was so muddy. And gross. Is there mud this time, Matt? Uh, no. It's, it's quite the opposite. I'll admit that I haven't seen- hot and dusty. Uh, I haven't seen any of the docos. Have you, Jess? No, I haven't actually. Oh, that's probably good. Okay, great. Because then- You can't correct me on anything. And we don't know what's coming. <laughs> Uh, so it's more fun for us. Yeah, I would say uh, I prefer the- You would stock. I would, yeah. I'd prefer- <laughs> I'd suggest the, the Crawford's documentary series Trainwreck. That was my favourite favorite one of the two. Um, but yeah, you know, they've both got great footage of the events and- Yeah, cool. Um, behind the scenes footage and all this sort of stuff. Camcorders, as oh, I used to call them. Yes, of course. This topic was suggested by a few people. Josh Benefield from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania- Chris Broderick from Clayton here in Victoria. Holly G from SL in UT. Don't know what either of the- Salt Lake? Salt Lake City in Utah. Utah. Give me two. Oh, my God. Meatball. But I just noticed it spells out um, a word, S-L-U-T. Dave (laughs) Hammond from Reading in Berkshire in England. Letting you do a bit of homework for yourself at home there. Soraya Minchin from Canberra. Jess from Leichhardt. Cheryl Dean from Huntington. Cheryl Dean. Cheryl Dean from Huntington in the UK. <laughs> and Richard from Sydney. I don't know why I said Cheryl, Cheryl Dean. Dean. <laughs> Cheryl Dean. Cheryl Dean. Cheryl Dean. That's cause of, probably because of Laddie Dean. Why did I, yeah, but there's something. There's a, there was a, I can't even think of the melody I was going for then. It sounds like the Scottish version of Jolene. Yeah. Cheryl Dean. Cheryl Dean. Cheryl Dean. Back by solo. <laughs> Please don't take my man. Ark. Don't take my wee lad. I've <laughs> <laughs> got fiery, fiery red hair. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't seen the documentaries, you might not know that this st- 
story includes some pretty grim stuff, oh. including uh, stuff of a sexual assault nature. So, a bit of a heads up there. I don't go into it all that much, but it does a little content warning. Does get mentioned at some point, but yeah, obviously, I, I don't think this is the place you want to big details. But there's heaps of articles and the documentary series talk about it a little bit more. If you want, anyway, here is my report on Woodstock '99. When and when did this occur? Ah, uh, the year was nineteen ninety eight. Sorry, nineteen ninety nine. This from a feature about the festival from Esquire magazine, written earlier this year. So, because of these documentary series, there's a lot of attention has come back to it. Even though it's oddly twenty three years after the event, it's not. You'd think you'd save it for the twenty fifth anniversary of yeah or something. So anyway, this is from Esquire. On paper, it sounded like a great idea. Let's recreate Woodstock to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Peace and Love Music Festival that sat at the epicenter of the hippie movement. Groovy. (laughs) What followed was four days of carnage. The event was marred by deaths, rapes, assaults, violence and arson and will go down in history as one of the worst music events ever to take place. Holy shit. It all but set fire to the legacy of the original gathering in 69. Uh, Writing for El Pais, Miguel... Achari wrote, Woodstock 1999 began promising three days of peace, love, and music. It ended with stages in flames, sound towers reduced to smithereens, tents raised to the ground, the press and performers running like hell, promoters barricaded in their offices, and thousands of hungover and exhausted young hooligans wallowing in a stream of feces. The San Francisco Examiner aptly called the event the day that music died. Oh, wow. Wow. I do, I do feel like the tents being raised is pretty uh, lucky to get a mention there. They set stages on fire. Buildings were destroyed. Small tents were upended. <laughs> okay. Tents were packed down, squished away, yeah. not very neatly uh, yeah. in their bags. That'll be a nightmare to unpack at a later date. Pegs were lost. <laughs> Will we ever recover? (laughs) Uh, Writing for Newsweek, Molly Mitchell wrote, more than 400,000 people attended the highly anticipated festival held at the former Griffiths Air Base in Rome, New York. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yeah, they weren't all, I don't think they were all there at the same time. I think 250,000 sort of at the peak. Still, that's huge. A lot lot of people. people, A lot of tempegs. However, at Woodstock 99, elements of poor management, budget cuts, high temperatures, misogyny, inadequate security, the music, a disgruntled crowd forced to pay high prices, and the lack of sanitation were disastrous, eventually spilling over into violence, sexual assault, riots, and even death. So, yeah, fair warning. There's, it's a, it's a mess. Right, okay. I could probably leave it there. But if you want, I can go into more details. Um, Look, I think as much as it would be fun to do our shortest ever episode, at just coming in under 10 minutes, obviously we'll do 40 minutes of Patreon. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think Blowvember is not the time for that. I think you should Good go point. into it yeah, in more I've, detail. I've actually got the rest of the afternoon off, so okay, I've got time. I'm oh. busy later, so like get a move on. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, don't I have, take, don't I have take somewhere to be. I mean, we're at my house, but I have somewhere I need to be. As uh, we, but we don't, we'll stay. We'll lock up. 
As we learned in episode 253, the original Woodstock was also a bit of a mess, but in a very different way. Now, I was remembering Jess telling that story, but is it was it you, Dave? It was Dave. That was my report, I, I yeah. thought it was a Matt, so sorry, Dave. Obviously not your best. <laughs> not oh, memorable. Gosh. It's really stayed with me, that one. I'm surprised you it's don't remember. It's funny because I, I remember it. I just thought, I just remember Jess telling the story. I and rem- I almost messaged Jess to say, oh, I, I shouldn't be doing this. This is a follow-up to your episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> I remember you being blown away that if given the opportunity, I still wouldn't attend Woodstock. Yeah. You were like, oh, it's so good. I was like, nah, it's messy. Muddy. Yeah, I don't like it. We arrive in a time machine. We can zoom in, zoom out. Oh, yeah, if we could zoom in, zoom out, maybe. Nah, I still wouldn't. (laughs) That was Splendor in the Grass this year for me, which was knee-high mud. Right. And I was like, I'm out of this. Went and stayed at a nice comfy hotel. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talking about the 69 iteration, Achari writes, it was an organizational disaster, but an indisputable cultural success. The original Woodstock featured peace and love, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, The Who, Grateful Dead, Santana, and hippies mobilizing against the Vietnam War. Michael Lang promoted all of that in a display of quixotic countercultural entrepreneurship, but he took heavy losses and only recovered his investment over 10 years later through sales of the film's soundtrack and merchandise. So Michael Lang, one of the OGs, he's he's with Woodstock all the way through to 99 and beyond. So we'll talk a bit about him. Right, Michael, still involved. Yes. Michael. I think there was, there was three of them. Oh, Michael. No, Michael. Do you remember the other two guys? There was, a, there was three, but I think he's the only one who stayed with it. Right. Uh, Ten years later. In 1979, uh, there were anniversary concerts held at Madison Square Garden in New York City, which I didn't realize that. And then in 1989, there was a spontaneous 20-year anniversary concert organized by folk guitarist Rich Pell on the original 69 site. Apparently just rocked up and said to the farm owners, hey, it's the 20-year anniversary. Do you mind if I do a little concert here? (laughs) Do you mind if I do a set? And, and they're uh, like, imagine- You've, but you haven't told anybody yeah. that you're going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Doesn't hey, matter. they'll come. And were you at the original one? Oh, no. No, 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 no. Oh, so you just a guy with a guitar in my, in my my field. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So can I? Sure. That, I didn't look into it too much because I'm like, oh, this might be a fun one to talk about by itself someday because I'd never even heard about it. But apparently that is, that's vaguely the idea that came across from what I read, that it, it was just like it was nothing. It's just him and a guitar. There wasn't a stage. There wasn't a PA. <laughs> but momentum grew. Volunteers and local bands pitched in, lent their equipment, and eventually it grew to the point that an estimated 150,000 people attended. What the hell? Based only on word of mouth. No advertising. I thought you were going to say 150, and that would have been an impressive that achievement. That would have been amazing, With yeah. a guy and a guitar. Who just starts playing in a field. Like Jimi Hendrix's dad played. What? Like, yeah, it was- Jimi Hendrix Sr. No, Papa Hendrix. Papa Hendrix. They welcomed him to the stage. Yeah. Wow. He came out and said, you kids are making too much noise. <laughs> I'm old now. <laughs> and I was. Um, I wonder maybe if uh, Lang saw the success of that from no, you know, no yeah. pre-organization at all and went, oh, maybe we should do a, an anniversary event. Because that's what he did. You'd be expecting like like 200 million people to rock up then. If you can get 150,000 <laughs> yeah. with no... No PA, nothing. Yeah, no poster. Plan it well, a little we bit. plan it. We could probably get a thousand times. Yeah. Probably get how many people there are there? A billion? Can yeah. I get a billion people? Can we get them all in? How big is your farm? <laughs> You've been there before, Michael. Why are you asking me this? <laughs> well, I was, uh, to be honest, 69, a bit blurry. <laughs> I'm hoping you've acquired more land since then. <laughs> yeah. So he 
He said about organising a 25th anniversary event, Woodstock 94. According to Esquire, five years prior to 99, which is when 94 was, there had been a Woodstock 94 festival that also ended in catastrophe. Oh, God. Storms meant that the site was turned into a huge mud bath and more than double the attendees expected turned up. They sold 164,000 tickets, but a crowd of 350,000 showed up. That is so many people. Including gate crashes. They just... The site they had was hard to secure, so people were just cutting gates and Wandering fences in. and just charging in, like more than double. Like it's it's so many people. Oh my god, so many! So the extra numbers meant the crowd couldn't be safely monitored, and two people died. Elsewhere at the event, the lead singer—I love this little um, bit of info from Esquire. <laughs> <laughs> just say it's—I'll give it to you with no context, and this is all I'll say about it. Because that's what the article did. Great. Elsewhere at the event, the lead singer of the band Jackal burned a stool on stage, attacked it with a chainsaw, and fired a gun during their performance. <laughs> that's art. They chainsawed a stool after it was on fire. Dave. These people are—they're insane. <laughs> no, you don't get it. It's art, and it's actually very cool and interesting. <laughs> and yeah. Fired a gun at the stool. I—that's I, how I pictured it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did this stool do? Very angry at this stool. <laughs> this stool was a real jerk. <laughs> Uh, as Ascari writes, Lang and his new partner, John Shear lost money hand over fist. So in 1999, they conspired to capitalize on the Woodstock brand once and for all with a professionally conceived and executed event, minus the naive idealism that had turned previous iterations into ruinous business. So, so the very core of what they were trying to do originally, they're like, let's turn on that. Yep. Let's really plan this and... Yeah, this is all about let's, cash, yeah, no gate crashes. So they're, really, yeah. they're, they're chasing their losses though, aren't they? First mm. one, lost money. All right. 89, we didn't charge tickets. Shit, probably lost money. 94, lost money. 99, this is our time. Yes. Tickets are going to be $4,000 each. <laughs> and we need that full billion to turn up. <laughs> and and rem, rem, remember that this is their mindset going in when later on the organisers, Sure and Michael, Lang, Lang <laughs> when <laughs> they- Lang. When they later on are being like, geez, they don't, they, they've, this generation doesn't have the same spirit of, you know, they talk yeah, about it. It's like, great. you said about making a festival very differently. Yeah. And you're, you're thinking, oh, it's weird that it went differently. People have experienced it differently and expected different things and you're, you're blaming them. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was weird that you called it Capitalism Presents Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different this time. <laughs> uh, so. They had to pick a venue to combat the issues they faced in the past with gate crashes. Organisers Lang Shur and Ossie Kilkenny. They, found- they picked a jail. <laughs> can't get in, can't get out. Honestly, it's not that far <laughs> off. Really? What, it's not a jail. It's an Air Force base. <laughs> okay, great. Perfect. It's a very secure location. Very, yep, so that's good. So Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, upstate New York. While it may have been more secure, it was a long way from the Green Hills of the original Woodstock farm. Mm. You know, it's just the vibe is very different. According to Esquire, the mainly concrete and asphalt space was the worst location for a music festival, especially when the two main stages were about a two-mile walk from each other. Two miles? Two miles. That's that's, uh, like over three Ks, right? That is, I mean, are they doing- It's a 40-minute walk. Are they doing like- I know Air Force lifts, like helicopter rides from one side to the other or something. <laughs> no, just long walks on the asphalt. At least golf buggies or something. Get that's, golf buggies. That's so far. 
Oh, get everybody a scooter. Oh, yeah, that's clever. But like one of those electric ones. Yeah, yeah. with flowers on it. Yes. But charge everyone. Charge them so much yeah. for it. That That's too far apart. That's far too far apart. Just every decision feels like a bad decision. Yeah, that's stupid. Uh, the weekend of July 22nd and, uh, to 25th was set to welcome a heat wave too. So, obviously, the bitumen or the asphalt. What did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to worry about mud. No, yeah, that's true, right. true, true. Just dust. So, <laughs> they were expecting temperatures over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, around 40 degrees Celsius. That's very hot on an outdoor, like, yes. concreted surface. Without much shade. The only shade was there were... Hangers, you know, old aeroplane hangers. Yeah. But they were all out of bounds. <laughs> <laughs> they used one of them for the for the rave tent. So-called rave tent was in one of the hangers and the new the emerging talent tent was in one as well. But the main stages were just out in the open. Oh, the place where the majority of people were. Yes. Amazingly, at the time, there's footage in the, the Netflix series of Lang being asked about how he thinks it's all going. And... Um, he says, well, the weather's really going in our favour. What? Because I think he's just thinking, it's not muddy this time. Right, he's but happy. He's, he's also like hanging out inside and in the you know the VIP backstage areas and all that sort of stuff, not seemingly never being fully aware of how bad things were getting and how bad it is. Just imagine having to walk back oh. and forth two miles in that kind of heat. When and every you know, there's big. It's a big drinking festival as well. Budweiser yeah. sponsors it. There's a big Budweiser beer, uh, like unsheltered <laughs> beer garden. Perfect. So Very people nice. are refreshing. Yeah, people are thirsty. Um, luckily, they confiscated everyone's water on the way in. Good, 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 yeah. good, good, good. Because you don't know what could be in there. Yeah, water and all other drinks. Yeah, even if they were sealed. So, yeah, if you want to bring in water, <laughs> nice try. Nice try. Yeah, oh. we're on to you, bud. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sunscreen, you could probably drink that. <laughs> Take that. Because anything that they brought in, they wouldn't have to buy. You know? Exactly. And peace and love is all about moving that units. Sweet, <laughs> sweet cash. Uh, so, over 400,000 people, like I said, bought tickets. Uh there were very few trees or areas of shade and campers were forced to put up tents on the tarmac in some cases. Uh, there was serious fencing around the, uh, the whole site, not only stopping people from breaking in, but later on from escaping. Uh, the organisers hadn't made enough facilities available for their guests and the toilets and showers were soon overflowing in the heat. Overflowing toilets. Yeah, it's hellish. Hellish. I think it sounds really fun so far. Of the of the three days, the first one isn't the worst because, you know, yeah. the extent of how their facilities weren't up to scratch wasn't fully known. Each day it got a little worse. Uh, according to Daniel Kreps, writing for Rolling Stone magazine, if the heat was absorbed by greenery like most festivals, the temperature wouldn't have been as much of an issue. But much of the Griffiths Air Force Base was tarmac and concrete. Materials the sun rays just bounce off. I love a bit. Rolling Stones where I go to for a bit of science like that. Yeah. The Baltimore Sun reported that halfway through the weekend, more than 700 had been treated for heat exhaustion and dehydration. Deactivated hangers provided some of the only shade. And this is one of the reasons why the emerging artist stage was packed out. Oh, Because right. people were just like desperate for shade. They were sometimes foregoing seeing like big name acts just to get some shade. Far out. Uh, so the young band's are like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is the best. We're playing. To- they care about us. Kre- Krebs's article's written like a listicle, 
And one of them is like just going, and this emerging artist stage, nearly none of them emerged. Like, have you heard of any of these acts? It's like, how do, you can't blame Woodstock for not yeah. <laughs> guessing which bands. And plus, I think there were, you know, there were a lot of maybe 30 acts on the emerging stage. Mm. And he's like, you know, apart from Muse <laughs> and Moby <laughs> and Ben Lee, I'm like three. Oh, they're three big th- ones. Three pretty big names. For, yeah. It's, that's not a bad ratio. Yeah. It's hard to pick winners in the music biz, Those I would have thought. Big, so, you yeah. are for Rolling Stone. Other than for Muse. <laughs> okay. They're pretty big. Yeah. S- stadium arenas. Yeah. And Moby was massive, like, straight Huge. after this. Mm. In the early 2000s. Massive. Ben Lee? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. We love Ben Lee. Uh, Kreps continues. Anyone looking for an escape from the relentless heat, we're out of luck. So, Jess, you're talking about you'd go stay at a local hotel maybe? Yeah. Well, virtually every hotel in upstate New York was booked months before the event, but not by festival goers. Unfortunately, the event clashed with the Baseball Hall of Fame ceremony (laughs) the same weekend in a nearby town, Cooperstown. So apparently even Alanis Morissette, Howard Stern and George Clinton were turned away from local hotels because they were just already booked solid. Wow. Isn't that ironic? (laughs) Don't you think? (laughs) Dave. I don't think it is, but... Dave, that was very good. <laughs> Thank you. You showed your appreciation by not laughing. Because <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good it was, at all. <laughs> yeah, it was as ironic as anything else she mentions in the Thank song. Thank you. Exactly. None of them are irony, are they? No. 10,000 smooths when all you need is a knife. That's funny. That's unlucky. If you're opening drawer after drawer and they're full of spoons, is that that's not funny. Is that not irony? I don't think so. I don't know what irony is. Irony is tricky to pin down, isn't it? Hmm. It's like the it's the opposite of what you want. I don't think a knife's the opposite of a spoon. Don't add us. I'll eat, I'll delete that out so we don't get the. I'll eat that out. I'll eat that out <laughs> <laughs> with the spoon. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> don't you think? <laughs> Dave will be able to explain irony for us. Dave just did pretty succinctly. What is irony? You've already decided to delete it, so it's all good. All right, but that was until I misset it as uh, eat you out. So. With a sp- and then just said with a spoon. I'm like, maybe I'll keep it in. <laughs> the expression of one's meaning by using language that normally signifies the opposite, typically for humorous or emphatic effect. Here's an example. Don't go overboard with the gratitude, he rejoined with heavy irony. Mm, I'll edit that out. <laughs> that, doesn't, that didn't help at all. While the venue was picked to avoid gate crashes, unfortunately that didn't stop thousands of people getting into the festival on fake passes. According to the Syracuse Post Standard, security guards were said to be confiscating fake passes at the rate of 50 an hour at just one of the gates. Oof. Uh, I guess they're assuming also that if 50 are getting picked, they're not they're not finding them all, so a bunch are also getting in. Wow. And because of that, it's hard to know how many people actually made it into the festival. So the, the 400,000 is tickets sold, I think. But so they didn't have one of those that. little clickers that they have at nightclubs? <laughs> Count you in? Yeah. yeah. Oh, got 399,996 in. I can let four more people four in unless people someone in. leaves and then I'll wind it back. <laughs> one in, one out. Okay. Uh, making it all the more difficult, security was understaffed. Like everything else, they were tight on everything. During the uh, some of the people interviewed in the doco, they're like, 
oh, there, there was a meeting when I realized, uh-oh, <laughs> this is more about the money than oh. anything else. This is there's bad signs early. They're they're all saw their red flags at different stages. That sucks. They're like, oh, this one. So this festival oh. not about the music or the fan experience at all. This is about peace and love and great music and no money. Okay, yeah, money, money, money. But honestly, this generation, they just don't. These kids of the nineties, you know what I mean? Yeah, they just don't want peace, love, and mm. and and they they they're out there and they're like, oh, I want drinking water. Oh, I want shelter. Yeah. It's like, come on. We've got Ben Lee. <laughs> He's emerging. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, security understaffed. According to Kreps, even though the crowd widely outnumbered the law enforcement presence, roughly 500 New York state troopers plus local PD, the authorities were supposed to have more support courtesy of a vol- volunteer security uh, team recruited from New York City. So, they were called, they didn't want to call them security. So, uh, Lang has said like we we gave him shirts that said peace patrol on that's the back. good that's good okay recruited them just randomly from new york <laughs> apparently just went up to people without training or anything and we're going hey we, we need to recruit people for security if you come with us 500 bucks for the weekend you ca- you come and yeah you put on a shirt pretty good okay i gotta point out that um to this guy that that's not how volunteering works <laughs> you don't don't get paid. Tell people you've got to come and they don't get paid. Yeah. So, in no way are it's these people volunteering. These are employees. <laughs> um, just on that, uh, when I was in Hawaii on holiday recently, there were security guards um, like sort of around town but mostly on the beach and their shirt said Aloha Ambassador. Oh. And I was like, fantastic. that's security. Mm. But I love it. Well, to me, that's more security. <laughs> Yes. Like, yeah, like charcuterie cute. board? Well, I was trying to put cute in there, but. Yeah, like a charcuterie board. <gasps> Is that what that means? Yeah. You're still it. smiling at when they're tasing you yeah. with that shirt on. <laughs> Aloha. They're, they're throwing sharkers with the other hand. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful place. They're punching you with sharker hands. Yeah. Bow. What's well, good? You don't want to have your thumb inside a fist. Yeah. Because you'll it. break it. So you want your thumb. And why not put your pinky out? Yeah. Pow. Pow. <laughs> Can I try that? Yeah. Can I try on your face? If you're talking to Dave, then yeah. I'm looking at you, Matt. Yeah, but if you're talking to Dave, then yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm looking and talking to you. Oh, then no. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Dave, same question. Uh, okay. Yes. <laughs> shaka. When you least expect it, I'm going to shaka punch you in the face. Shaka <laughs> <laughs> punch. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> uh, so a lot of these uh, Peace Patrol people just ended up at some point during the festival like, Ah, fuck this. Yeah. Took off the shirts, just went and enjoy- either enjoyed the festival or pissed off. Great. Like a, a lot of them. I pay, mean, him, that, pay him up front, of course. They were under-qualified hmm. or under-trained and they just, they're like, and they weren't prepared for this. This was chaos. Yeah. It was anarchy. Uh, one of the guys was interviewed on the doco was like, people were asked, like, there were people coming up to me going, oh, what is that shirt get? You get backstage and stuff? He's like, yeah. And they get, <laughs> one guy goes, I'll give you 400 bucks for it. And he goes, done. I took it <laughs> off, gave it to him, and I went to his bag, got a, his spare one. And, put it on. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't get him in backstage no. or anything. It was a T-shirt. Wow. What does that shirt get you? Like, people could say that about any T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It gets me backstage. Uh, it also gets me a million dollars if I want it. If you're buried in the backyard, it'll go on a beanstalk. <laughs> I'll give you 400 bucks. <laughs> it's a bargain, actually. It's that beanstalk. Mm. At the top of it, it's going to have a little pot of gold. It's going to have 500 bucks in there. Whoa. So, you give me 400 bucks for the shirt. A year's time, 
You got a hundred extra That's dollars. Profit. You had to do nothing for it. You got nothing. Except you just pay got me. a tens to a beanstalk. And then I guess you get like lots of beans. That's something Jack and the Beanstalk never talks yeah. about. He's got this whole bean stalk. There must be lots of beans he could yeah, harvest from it. Yeah, what was the benefit? Because it was he knew it was a magic beanstalk, didn't he? Because it just magic grew real beans. big. It was magic beans, and there was he- multiple too. It wasn't just one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. He 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 swapped a cow for magic beans or something. Hmm. Um, but his mum was like, no, I wanted, like, currency, you dumb shit. Yeah. We need to buy food. And he was like, yeah, but I got beans. Beans are food. Yeah, beans are better. I mums grow are, food. Mums are so dumb. Oh. They never listen, honestly. Ugh. If you're a mum listening, yeah. no, you're the best. You're the best. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to tell some home truths, but you No, no, no. I chickened out. out mums are also very powerful. They are. Power- they've got a powerful peak body. Yeah. Yeah, they should have just hired mums for 500 bucks for oh the Oh, my God. Yes. Mums won't let you get away with shit. That's not a bad call. Yeah, you, you're not just walking up mums. to a mum saying, what's that shirt get you? You're not buying a mum shirt off her back. No. You wouldn't do that to a mum. No. Would you? you well, wouldn't. I wouldn't. Good. And that's how we control crowds. Mums. <laughs> So it doesn't seem like many elements of this festival were well done. Firstly, they didn't hire mums, uh, including the fact that this festival that came from the peace and love hippie movement had turned into a full-on commercial money-making machine, Ah. or at least an attempt to. In an effort to cut costs, the festival organisers farmed out many responsibilities to third parties, including waste management, sewerage, and food and drink. I think it's okay to delegate those to people who know about those things. I agree. Like, Lang's not going to supposed to be digging the, his own latrine, he is he? He doesn't know anything about toilets. That's true. Get a toilet guy out there. Um, I think that does make a lot of sense as long as, you know, you're in the contract, you're f- not favouring money but favouring them doing a good job. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that would make sense. Definitely get some things in the fine print that look after you to make sure they do the job okay. properly. Okay. And not just do it for the best money option for you. Mm. Uh, the company who got the food and drink contract hiked up the prices on anything on everything, and there was nothing that the Woodstock team could do about it. Apparently, <laughs> so there was nothing in the contract that said, "Hey, we, like, yeah, the y- prices have to be reasonable." You want or a veggie like burger? That. No problem. That'll be four hundred dollars and that T-shirt. <laughs> And like I said, security confiscated everyone's food and drink when they arrived at the festival. So everything had to be purchased on on site. And according to a carry, the exorbitant prices at which the commercial tents sold uh, food and drink particularly upset attendees. They charged $4 for a bottle of water, equivalent of $7 today. <sighs> Apparently, as the weekend went on, uh, water became more in demand and the prices went up. Into the twelve fourteen dollar US dollars US dollars in nineteen ninety nine. You can't charge that for water. Uh, water. Now, Sorry, just so the water. Americans understand what we're talking about. <laughs> just water. so Paris Hilton can understand. Water. Water. <laughs> I love cute. water. That's water. water. That's water. That's cute. Water. <laughs> and between eight dollars and ten dollars. And sorry, a- sorry, 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 Matt. I'm so sorry. Our British listeners are baffled. Water. Water. Ubbly bubbly for the fancies. <laughs> ubbly bubbly. <laughs> Sorry, Matt, please do go on. It's uh, only ubbly unless it's from the ubbly bubbly <laughs> region of France. <laughs> uh, the, so, burrito sandwich pizza, they were eight to ten bucks. Around. A burrito sandwich pizza. Yum. I'm going to get one of those. Yeah, that I'm sounds in. Great. Burrito sandwich pizza. pizza. Okay, well, you probably don't mind the price. You know, around 18, 20 bucks today. Bargain. Yeah, that's three meals in one. <laughs> 
a burrito sandwich, sandwich pizza. pizza. Wow. For $18. So, I'm picturing like two separate burritos <laughs> all wrapped up, everything in there. Uh-huh. Then that's made into a sandwich with filling. Oh, and yum. And that's put on top of a pizza and baked. Okay. Yeah, that's going to last you a couple of days. Yeah, 18 bucks. Great. That's three days worth of that's food. That's a bargain. Oh, no, that's, yeah, sorry, 18 for each element of that. Yeah. Okay, so it's like a build your own burrito It'll sandwich pizza. You, that one that you just described will cost you 60, 80 bucks. That's okay. a bit of a piss take, actually. Yeah, yeah I'm crazy. outraged, I'll actually. Just have, I'll just have a sandwich then for much cheaper. I'll just have the pizza. With the lineup, do you, with what you know about this festival, who, what kind of bands do you think of? Obviously, Moby, Ben Lee. You said Alanis Mears. Morissette. Alanis Morissette. I only know Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit's the most famous uh-huh, one from yep. this, for sure. But 1999, I'm thinking Britney Spears. I'm thinking Corn. Corn was there. Okay, uh, so different genre. Oh, uh, well, there's other stuff. Jewel was there. Jewel? Oh. My hands are small, I know, but they're <laughs> Is that what she not says? yours. They are my own. Never knew she was singing about her hands. Hands. What do you think she's singing about? I can't, I don't know, understand the American accent. <laughs> Water. Water. <laughs> okay, who else? So Jules there, Limp Biscuit, Corn. Yeah, um, who's big in 99? I'm thinking Ricky Martin. Ricky's not there. Oh, what? Really? Couldn't get him. But I, I think what you were thinking with Limp Biscuit, Dave, that's that's what I always thought. I just thought it was basically a, a new metal festival. New metal, because Limp Biscuit. And when I was speaking, corn, maybe Marilyn Manson's there. He's not, but yeah, that's that the kind, kind of, of you, They were huge at the time, yeah. those. Yeah, okay, yep. No, uh, Brittany. I'm, I'm not into it then. Sorry, Brittany. It's Brittany, batch. <laughs> what does she drink? Water. <laughs> <laughs> what does she drink? <laughs> Just good to know. That, I thought it was Pepsi from those ads, but apparently it's water. 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 <laughs> Speaking in the Trainwreck documentary, organisers Schur and Lang admitted they knew nothing about most of the lineup they had booked. <laughs> so a lot of people are like, you've booked a pretty aggressive lineup here. Um, it's, and you go, you know, all these things that they're doing that are opposite of Woodstock and they're going, why, are, why aren't people doing, it's like no one here wants to do the peace and love thing. Yeah, well, let's be honest. They're looking around, they're going, all right, what's Jimi Hendrix doing? Okay, fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Janice Joplin, what's she up to these days? Okay, oh, fuck, really? Yeah. Santana's like the only one who's They're still working going. their way through the 27 Club. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> okay, we couldn't get him last time, but is John Lennon available? Yeah. What about River Phoenix? <laughs> Apparently they tried to get the Beatles to Woodstock, the original Woodstock I was reading uh, the other day, but I think Lennon might have said, only if the Plastic Ono band can play as well, and they're like, nah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, none, none of that side shit. Like, you want you could have got the this Beatles. This is in 1969. It's not like it's the like, Beatles were on the emerging stage. That's the, they high, were the biggest band that's in the, the world. That's the height of Beatles. You could have got the Beatles there. That's what I mean. That's from and one thing I read. Give give the other band a, a you know shitty time slot, whatever. You know, but you could have had the Beatles. <laughs> they went on to do some good stuff. Plastic Ono band. Really? Yeah, like a few of John Lennon's solo albums were with them, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, two very different responses there. Uh, One more supportive than the other. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Why are you asking me? I don't know. Uh, so while 1969 had bands like Bob Dylan or acts like Bob Dylan, Janis Joplin and Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Woodstock 99 had a much heavier lineup, including new metal bands like Corn and Limp Bizkit. So we have a hot crowd who is hot and also hot. They're tired. Not their value. Dehydrated and, and feeling sexy. ripped off oh. and feeling sexy. And they're probably hungry too. Yeah, that's when I'm my hottest. Yeah. Hungry, hot, and tired. Yeah. Well, one of the, I think it was Cher, <laughs> was asked, the organizer, not the 
pops up. Are you believe in love at love water? He's asked about um, you like people going. <laughs> what people don't have enough money to buy things here? He's like, you don't bring money to a festival. They bought packed lunches. Oh my god, that is the twentieth century's equivalent of let them eat cake. Yeah. Well, surely they've got they've got money. Yeah, don't Do they, they bring, money? bring money? It's like, oh. No, they brought food they can't for themselves. A, they, can't, they can't afford any food and drink. Or why don't they just use money? Mm. Have they oh, thought of okay. that? <laughs> Fucking hell. Do have I have to do everything for everybody? Yeah, do they know how to open their wallet? Do I need to do an instructional video? About Velcro? <laughs> everyone has a Velcro wallet, yeah, at, don't they? At that stage, everyone had a Velcro wallet on a chain. Yeah, exactly. So so they're feeling they're feeling already pretty angsty from everything so far. And according to Akari, the festival lineup did not help improve the mood. Hard rock and new metal bands dominated the delirious program. Uh, so we had Corn, we had Limp Bizkit, also Creed, who I think of as they're like. Matt, when you and I were in Brisbane last month. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the, the way the, the day worked, JP was. We did a book cheat with uh, Aaron Goxy Gox as a guest with, with Matt, and then we did Who Knew It with Matt Stewart, and then we had a break. Then Matt and I did stand up, and then directly after us was Goxy came back to do karaoke. Great, Fan- and we agreed. Goxy, I think it was Goxy, and we agreed. Oh, we'll do a song as well, so it'll be fun because it's kind of comedy, kind of karaoke in front of a crowd and stuff. And we, we hadn't eaten dinner, so we went upstairs to the burger. Before place. this, I went up because we were sitting out in the, the sort of the green room area, hearing the show kick off. And Goxie and Jake, who's emceeing it, they were just like, it just sounded like everything they said was peaking. So I went up just to quietly go, hey, I think you need to turn Goxie's mic down a little bit. And they, they, and, and that's it. And they asked me to repeat it, put, Jake put his mic in my face. I'm like, I was just trying to quietly tell you that the mic is peaking. <laughs> and then moments later, I was doing the Grease Mega Mix. Somehow, <laughs> do you have with Goxie? <laughs> I was just trying to quietly. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that this is from an audio perspective sounding terrible. But I think they, I, I think I realised later that's what they were sort of going for. Right. Yeah. But it was there was a pretty, you know, a crowd was gathering. They were pretty into it, and we went upstairs. There was a burger bar upstairs. Quickly had something to eat, and we came back downstairs, and there was no one was left in the room. And what what, what had Goxie? Uh, someone who was there said, "Oh, did maybe Goxie said." Yeah, I, I I did a Creed song and cleared the room. Because, <laughs> yeah, we left there's like 30 or 40 people and then we come back down and there's like seven people. <laughs> yeah, Goxie cleared the room with Creed and karaoke. Which means they missed out on me doing uh, George Michael's Careless Whisper, but I still got up there. How's that go? I'm never going to dance again. Boom, boom, boom. And I did uh, Boys from the Bush. Great. By Kirks. The Kirks. Great. Anyway, uh, great night, great night. But Creed, hearing that made me laugh. <laughs> Kid Rock was also there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, additionally, there were bands such as Offspring, Metallica and Rage Against the Machine, okay. whose abrasive sound and visceral discourse were totally alien to the first Woodstock spirit of peace and love. Right. But, and, and people do blame some of these bands, especially probably Limp Bizkit. And were Limp Bizkit seen as the headliner? Or on- I think it was one of those ones they, they headlined the main stage I think on the second night. So it's amazing to think that they're they're above Metallica and Rage Against the oh, Machine. Oh, hang on. Yeah, when did no? Sorry, but but they're the one I associate with the festival, and I'm not sure it's because of stuff you're about to talk about, it or is, because yes. they were they were massive at the time. They were huge, but you know, Metallica's been big forever. Yeah, yeah, but I guess Metallica by that point 
we're almost, you know, in a lull. Bit of a dip, right. Because, you know, this is the 90s was a, oh, they were very commercially did well. But, yeah, maybe critically dipped a bit. But, no, you're right. Limp Bizkit uh, were followed by Raging Man Against the Machine and Metallica closed out. Okay, right. that makes sense. It's the main stage on the Saturday night. Yeah. It's kind of a funny lineup on the Saturday on that main stage. Started with Tragically Hip, then Kid Rock, then Wyclef Jean, Wyclef Jean uh, Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, Alanis Morissette, then Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine and Metallica. It really takes a, a heavier yeah. turn at night. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that some people will blame the bands. It's like, I don't know what you thought Limp Bizkit were going to do. It's sort of they're an obnoxious new metal band. <laughs> Please don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I expected Limp Bizkit to come in and, and bring water for everyone and shelter. <laughs> and shelter. Oh, please, get onto our tour bus. <laughs> so I, th- I kind of feel like some of that stuff's a bit overstated. The, the lineup was a bit broader than that. Like I say, there were, you know, Counting Crows, Jewel, I've mentioned, Elvis Costello was there, Willie Nelson. James Brown opened the festival. Wow, okay. James are, Brown. The, the Godfather of Soul right there. They, that's very varying genres and legends of the of each. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably it's a more varied lineup than the 69 one was. Yeah. Um, but I guess pop music by the 90s had gone, diversified off, gone off in different areas. You're right. G-Love and the Special Source played. Jamiroquai, Cheryl, Cheryl Crow, George Clinton, uh, the Tragically Hip. And so, a bunch of others, including even Australian comedy duo The Umbilical Brothers played one of the main <laughs> stages. The fuck? That's so good. Really? Yeah. They played one. And was there riots during that? Or <laughs> No. Everyone's like, how's his head come off? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They make all funny noises with their mouths. <laughs> they played on the same stage that later on on the Friday uh, had The Roots, Insane Clown Posse, and George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. Wild stage. That's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I feel like. Do you think they tried to book the Chemical Brothers? Oh, <laughs> they also did book the it. Chemical Brothers. <laughs> so but maybe the, they but booked the email them and had like, already oh, gone shit. off to Umbilical <laughs> yeah. Brothers, and they'd said yes. It's embarrassing to pull. That is it. embarrassing. Ask them not to come now. Uh, so yeah. So I think I think it, a lot of the focus is on, and for you know for good reason, it was a flashpoint in some of those heavier sets. When there was that many people at a poorly planned festival who were already like dehydrated, sunstroke, drinking, all sorts of drugs were rife there. Uh, And then quite aggressive music with no D barriers and all these sort of things that have since come in. I think because of festivals like this, they've probably written new rule books about how to do it because the music is a bit different, you know. Although, I, you know, the, the Who played at the 69 one, they're a, you know, they're a hard rock band as well. For the day they were. So, um, but yeah, I think just, you know, the mainstream culture was a bit more, hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uncool to show any sort of big emotion, man. <laughs> Whereas in the 90s, like some of those bands, late 90s was more like, yeah, we're, we're, we get our anger out. Yeah. yeah. That's like their attitude is, I don't give a fuck. Circle pits. And, yeah. Which is fine when it's in a controlled sort of state. I think, uh, you know, when, when I was starting to go to f- festivals, which was probably around this time, the focus was increasingly on looking after each other. And I didn't realise it, but it was possibly because of stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, yep. The Insane Clown Posse, I don't know a lot about. I know they're fans of Juggalos. Oh, yeah, they have big festivals and or stuff like that. Or is the Festival they? of the Juggalo? I have no Doesn't idea. Well, I think that they are Juggalos, that's right. Uh, what does that mean? Like, I think that's, you know, like... Uh, like a subculture, like a f- uh, fans of... 
of the band are called like Juggalos. Taylor Swift gotcha. fans are Swifties. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. That was the only one other one I could think yeah, of. No, is um, there another one? No. She's the only one with fans. Spearsies? Is that what Britney's fans are? Uh, yep. Yep. Stans? Who are they? Eminem's fans. Eminem's fans. <laughs> uh, according to Come Caps, on, that was funny. That was funny. You'll, well, I think, you'll get it later. It's no, pretty that's, funny. That's where the saying comes from, though, so I don't know if it is funny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> was Dido on this lineup? Oh, I think Jewel is very. She's yeah, in the world same of Dido. Cam. Maybe the 99. Dido is Jewel. Yeah. And then Dido came yeah, along a couple of years Dido's later. Early, early 2000s. Maybe at the English Woodstock, they would have had Dido. Yeah. Is Dido England's answer to, to Jewel? Jewel? I think so, yeah. Uh, is Jewel so- Canadian? Ooh, question. My hands are small, I know. Yeah, who, do Canadians have small hands? <laughs> they, yeah, t- typically, yes. So, and, and beautiful manners. <laughs> So, speaking of the insane clown posse, Krep said, performing on the East Stage on Friday night before George Clinton's Parliament Funkadelic, insane clown posse was the first act to incite the crowd by throwing $100 bills into the audience and watching gleefully while a melee ensued. Okay. Oh, right. These people are hungry. Well, exactly. No all, the, all the food they brought has been confiscated, so they have nothing to eat. They're really thirsty. Yeah, that's that's going to be mayhem. Took it yeah. to the next level when they started throwing uh, burrito p- sandwich pizzas into Yeah, the- but, you know, we really wanted burrito sandwich pizzas to take off. Uh, just to fact check on Jewel, she is American, born in Utah. Give me two. Raised in Alaska. Maybe from SL? Oh, yeah. Alaska's sort of like the Canada of the America. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He nailed that. Canada's probably the Canada of America as well because Canada's in America. It's weird that America gets to have America when Canada's also in America and so is like Brazil and everywhere else. In, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I know what you mean. It does make you think, doesn't and it? And it's crazy. Uh, so the first day ended relatively incident-free, at least compared to the weekend. <laughs> More things came out afterwards that, you know, that awful things were happening throughout. But in terms of the mob mentality and the – I guess it eventually spirals out into – um, Lord of the Fries, Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Sorry, which one? Lord of the Flies. Okay. Um, when people were waking up the next day, the Saturday morning, the festival site was already looking worse for wear with rubbish strewn everywhere and the limited bins on site already overflowing. Like the footage is ridiculous. You can hardly see the asphalt. Because there's rubbish everywhere. It's so covered oh, with rubbish yuck. after one day. And there's two to go. Yeah. Oh. It's it's disgusting. It's like super gross because they, you know, they didn't. The refillable water station stuff had mm. half hour lines, so it, like a lot of people were buying bottled water, but there's just so much plastic and waste on the ground. In the Netflix documentary, uh, there was a woman who was in who was at the '69 festival, and she's like, "These kids, if the, if if." They're not being respected like this. They're something bad's going to happen. They're going to if they're being res- disrespected and right, treated like animals. Yeah. They're going to start behaving like animals. Uh, it's like if she's called that this early, she's bang on. She's, and then there's yeah. footage of her back in '99 um, going out. She's going, "Can I get some garbage bags?" She's taking garbage bags out and trying to hand them out. And say, "Hey, do you want to clean up your area?" And they're being, no one's doing it. Fuck. Fuck She's- you, I won't do what you tell me. Yeah, yeah that did get chanted later on by <laughs> by crowds as they were riding, 100%. At people 
Not at her. Not, not at this a lady. Lo- lovely She's like, old lady. I reckon that the- I'd maybe just pick up you some five pieces of rubbish each. <laughs> it was a bit like yeah. that. Yeah. I reckon the band would probably be more on her side than yours. <laughs> but she was also, um, you know, I think she sort of understood that maybe it had gone too far. They've already, like, all the prices and everything was already, everything was a bit out of control already. Then someone knocked over this art installation. There's footage of her going, come on, this is art. Come on, let's put it back up. Come on. And it's just breaking your heart to see it. Because then she's just not really able to enjoy herself either because she's busy being mum. Yes. That was the thing. When you said mums need to be employed, because she was a mum as well. Her daughter yeah. was also working there. I'm like, 100%. If there was a 1,000 of her, yes. it would have been an entirely different festival. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I should say dads could also be there. Oh, yeah. What would dads do? What would dads do? <laughs> oh, they'd mow the lawn. <laughs> mow the lawn. Maybe tend the barbecues. Yeah. Fall asleep in a chair yeah. somewhere. Wear an apron with tits on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I yelled out, pipe down an hour ago. <laughs> what more do you want what? me to do? I don't know what. Who raised you, kids? <laughs> but I said, pipe down. <laughs> I'm watching cricket. <laughs> yeah, they're in the car park in the Subaru Forester listening to cricket on the radio. <laughs> I love your idea of dads, uh, how it is possibly extrapolated from your experience how do of, you, a, of a dad. How do you? John Perkins is an angel. He's, oh, done, no, he's done none of those things. Not he's one never of told them. us to pipe he's down. Never he's said never said pipe down. He's never fallen asleep in a chair. <laughs> he's never mowed a lawn in he's his life. He's never mowed a lawn. He's never at a barbecue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, the place is disgusting. Uh, and the punters are getting increasingly annoyed by this. You know, there's footage of MTV's there doing a live pay-per-view. People at home can pay oh. 60 bucks. And there's a, a brief thing about the producer who's going out and he's just go, going out and getting... It's like increasingly unhinged, sort of very sexually natured, a lot of t- naked topless people. The documentary has a lot of dicks and boobs on it. I'm like- <laughs> So are they aprons or- <laughs> No, flesh. <laughs> but it's it's just- <laughs> I, it's, it's, I mean, you know, they're a beautiful human body, but it's just funny hearing a grown man say dicks and boobs. I don't know why. <laughs> like he could have said nudity. A lot of or- nudity. All right, I'll say it again. Here we go. If you think that was not was that no, not no, I loved it. No, no, no. I, I a think lot it's- of nudity. There was a lot of nudity on the pay per view. What kind of nudity? Oh, what- there were dicks and boobs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was- we, got, we got both kinds. <laughs> but the producer was sort of like going. It was. It was like he was sort of encouraging a bit, but he was also yeah. noticing that it was just. It, it all felt. A, it was a bit. A bit weird right. and a bit off. Okay. And it's just like, just as time went on, people were, it was like, there are no rules. There's no security. No one's doing anything about it. So anything goes. Okay. But so people are at home watching this and they're like, normally uh, a pay-per-view at a music festival would be focusing on the music, but this was more focusing on just the mayhem around the sites and stuff. But it, that footage also picked up people getting increasingly annoyed. They eventually turn on MTV. They're pelting the MTV Holy people and stuff. There's footage of this one guy getting angry at one of the MTV um, presenters because they they were starting to play more Backstreet Boys and stuff on MTV. He's like, I'm sick of all this Backstreet Boys bullshit. <laughs> and, the, and the presenter goes, why don't you tell us what you really think? And he go, he didn't understand that he was being ironic. He goes, I am. This is what I think. <laughs> oh, incredible. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so good. That's really funny. <laughs> it is. Well, I guess it's maybe slightly different back then. But getting people saying like, I hate this song. Never play it again on national radio. 
it's like uh, it it baffles me that t- in today's day and age they don't realize Spotify exists. Yeah, and that radio or music TV and stuff like that is not a curated playlist specifically for you. Yeah. Do you know that? Because you can get those yeah, elsewhere. Right. YouTube. You don't even, like this you song? Like don't this. listen to it on yeah. your playlist. Very funny, isn't Very it? Very funny. Uh, so people are getting more and more annoyed. Things are getting a little out of hand. This is a bit more on the grosser side. According to Akari, they were also indignant because of the woefully inadequate waste management surface and the portable latrines, many of which burst after a few hours because of overuse flooded the place with human waste and an indescribable stench. Within the first few hours, the the toilets have the exploded. So it's all it's all portaloos as well. Yeah. And it, it gets worse Which and worse as the week goes on. Portaloos are gross after but they, a few yes. hours. The phrase burst. Yeah, yeah. that's that's and a lovey has burst. No one is no there's just not enough people dealing with it. Yeah. Because they sold off the service and they've just the, the third party's taking the cash and exactly. just... They're like, we put, deliver, we, we we put the portal down. There. There's portal there, aren't there? So, yeah. job done. There's oh, you want us to maintain them. <laughs> okay. It's an old lady out there with a the garbage bag saying, come on, everyone, we can all clean up. <laughs> Five bits of poop each. <laughs> come on, everyone. Come on, many hands make light work. That's what the teachers used to say at my school. Yeah, but she's looking around going, hang on. No, don't pick that up. This is an art installation, is it? Is this or, Is this poo is or this poo? art? I don't know. Are you poo or art? I don't know what you're <laughs> speaking to. I don't, I don't she usually. Was still, she was also on a bunch of drugs, <laughs> yeah. but, you know, went in Rome. Uh, to- <laughs> they are in Rome. That's great. They are too. That's great. <laughs> Excellent work. Excellent. Uh, thank you, Dave. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> Back to Akari. Moreover, the free fountain water that people used to quench their thirst, shower, and brush their teeth became unsafe to drink, unknown to them. <gasps> Feces no. from the latrines no. contaminated the water. No. Not only was it undrinkable, but in many cases, mere contact with it caused skin rashes or lip and gum infections. Oh, <laughs> that's awful. Including trench mouth, which is associated with what? World War One. Like trench foot. I think so. Trench gums or trench something. Oh, yeah. shit. That's awful. Because that was the same sort of situation with like trench foot and stuff. Yes. Not being able to get your feet cl- dry and clean. and Yeah, just full of ulcers. Oh, and- awful. So one of, the ta- one of the punters who was uh, at the festival, she's talking in the documentary and she's like on the Sunday morning she woke up and she could hardly swallow because she got it and her <sighs> mouth is just full of sores and ulcers. She couldn't swallow. So they just left. Oh, that's awful. Uh, so on Trainwreck, the organiser, Cher, was talking about his experience to that point of the festival. And this is more recently. He's just talking about it in retrospect. He said that when I guess asked how, how he was seeing the festival at that point, he said, we were having fun. We, we had worked for a year to plan this and it was working. Yes, issues existed, but they were isolated. Nobody came there thinking they were going to stay at the Ritz-Carlton. Okay. There's a big gap from Ritz-Carlton yeah. to Trenchmouth. No no safe water. Yeah. What humans, do you expect? humans need water. But we think about at the Ritz-Carlton, they do have water and it's drinkable. So, you know, if you're expecting that, yeah. come on. Come on. So, Trenchmouth, a condition that causes gum bleeding, swelling, pain and ulcers. Oh, that's awful. That's just so painful. Even one little like slight, even when you bite your tongue or something and it has a little bump on it, that ruins your it's week. A sensitive oh. part of the mouth. Totally. But then 
add to the knowledge of how awful it is to the fact that you got it because you brush your teeth with with contaminated with water. Yeah, with, with toilet. <laughs> with toilet. I brush my teeth with toilet. <laughs> I try to make it a vaguer, less descriptive thing, yeah. and I probably zoomed out too far. <laughs> <laughs> with toilet. With bathroom. You brush your teeth with bathroom. <laughs> with house. <laughs> um, Connor Krebs. Uh, he says that Kid Rock planted some seeds of aggression during his early Saturday afternoon set. Hmm. Sandwiched between slots by the tragically hip and Wyclef Jean. Wyclef Jean? I don't know. I'm, I'm struck. I feel like I always knew how to say his name, but now I'm double guessing myself. Uh, Wyclef Jean. <laughs> Wyclef Jean. Doesn't matter. Uh, I uh, thought it was Jean. Jean, great. But well, I also don't. I don't know. I'm not an expert. Uh, so, b- between Tragically Hip and Wyclef Sean, uh, Kid Rock took to the stage. He came out in his massive fur coat. Perfect. And one of the workers who was talking on the doco was like, it's so hot. I'm just thinking, what is this guy doing? <laughs> What's he doing? Has he lost it? That <laughs> coat is too hot. <laughs> but he, he pulled it off as soon as he came out on stage. Um, and according to the San Francisco Examiner, he demanded that the kids pelt the stage with plastic water bottles. Why? Perhaps making a statement about the high price of hydration. Throw water bottles at me. Yeah. Fun. That's fun for everybody. Mm. Empty ones, not full. Oh, not with Actually, piss. Actually, I'm thirsty. Yeah. Not that thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> not with trench piss Don't water. Give me the trench piss. Hey, we'll be back after these short messages. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace (laughs) makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalized results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words as <laughs> intended, like PDFs, music, or ebooks. I would love to buy Matt's ebook. I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Be more like Matt. Oh, one hundred one. <laughs> wow. How yeah. many? One, does it go to one hundred two? It goes all the way to one hundred two. <laughs> <laughs> You can customise everything with next-generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101? Oh, three mil. Wow. Wow. Like per month or? 
Yeah, USD. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash do go on. All right, Dave. So you were saying when you think of this festival, you think of Limp Bizkit. So let's talk about their set. Okay. According to Mitchell, some people believe the heavy music may have contributed to the chaos that unfolded over the weekend as it captured the spirit of the increasingly angry audience. Uh, And back to the Esquire article. As the temperatures rose, so did the aggression in the bro-heavy festival lineup. As the New Yorker noted, only three solo female musicians performed over the whole weekend. By the time Limp Bizkit hit the stage on Saturday night, edged on by lead singer Fred Durst, some of the audience began tearing wooden panels from the walls during their song Break Things. There was this sort of preamble thing. I watched it. I'm like, I'm, I reckon he just did this same preamble every time they right. played Break Things, but they're talking about it like he's really making them revved up. So I think that's just that's just the band. Like yeah. I think that's just their band. And what if you're going to book a band, give them a listen first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the organisers said they didn't really know the music. It's like. What do they just pick people at random? Yeah, I guess they're like, oh, they, they're big on the charts. We'll grab them. them. Yeah, it seems very strange. Yeah, it is. Ask to see some footage of a live show. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense that they don't know who anyone is. I mean, they made James Brown open the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the first. Oh, take, suppose we'll take a pun on this new guy. <laughs> yeah, 11 a.m. on the main stage. <laughs> Perfect. He'll be very grateful, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. He's famous for James stopping Brown. a riot with his music. That's nighttime music. Yeah, bring for him sure. back. Bring him back. Stop the stop the hate. It's going to be hard to bring him back now, Dave. But in I mean, in '99, they could have okay. brought him back after. What's happened? Oh, he's I don't retired. want to tell you about it now. Oh, he's, he's retired. retired. Yep. Oh, okay. In but- a really permanent fashion. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no, John Farnham come back to us. Yeah, he said no take backsies. Oh, okay. Well, that's brave. I take his word for it. Mm. But if he'd brought him out after the biscuit, I reckon he could have really won them back over. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, probably would have been helpful maybe. On the, the first night, Corn was in the second last slot and it was similarly like you see the footage of it and the crowd were going berserk. Corn were also hugely popular. Was he going, oh, Freak on a Leash? Just starts, oh, yes. Just starts barking like a dog. Sorry, kind I just of. didn't recognise your rendition yeah, of it. Don't you remember? That sounds exactly like, oh, ma, 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 oh, ma, 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 ma. That's pretty accurate, right? Well, I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I always thought it was rum da rum rum But it's interesting. You, yeah, you thought he was saying something different. <laughs> you, mine's more, I feel like mine's more like a dog. Yours is more like Gollum. <laughs> Yours sounds like, hey, oh, mama. Yeah, maybe that's it. That, that's what I was, Is that corn? That's corn. <laughs> <laughs> During their set, Durst said, it's time to let yourself go right now because they're are no motherfucking rules out there. The mosh pit was out of control, but afterwards in an interview, Durst denied encouraging it, saying, I didn't see anyone getting hurt. You don't see that. When you're looking out at a sea of people and the stage is 20 feet in the air and you're performing and you're feeling your music, how do they expect us to see something bad going on? Mm. Of course, there is footage of him uh, crowd surfing on some of the the walls that have been taken down. So he must have known something had happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I don't usually crowd surf on bits of wall during this part of the set. And then there's footage of him coming just off stage and he said, you can't blame us for that when he was asked a question. So it's like he must have had some idea, but. I, how was I to know? How could I possibly have known? 
I I don't think you can blame them for doing their normal show. I think hopefully now they would yeah. understand that this is an unsafe situation and they would pull back a bit. Yeah. But and there's a few bands on the who we'll talk about later who probably maybe learnt hopefully the same lesson. Mm. But I don't know, maybe because it feels like now it's common sense. But were there ever festivals this big with bands who played music like that? I don't. I'm not sure if there were. You wouldn't think there'd be that aggressive music played in front of that many people. Yeah. Well, what about when Metallica does like a concert in Russia or something? Oh, like that's true. Three or four hundred thousand people have turned up. The security was there with batons. Yeah. Okay. And riot gear, and they <laughs> were just. And a government they're terrified of, probably. So Oof. they want to do the wrong thing. Pantera were the opening band for that. Really? And uh, Akadaka played as well. It's oh, called amazing. the Monsters <laughs> of Rock. <laughs> that's my Akadaka. I think that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Sounds like Akadaka. Uh, Is that Thunderstruck? I love that. I love that. I love that song. <laughs> That's fantastic. It was from the year you were born. Was it? Yeah. Aww. Uh, uh, so later that night, like I said, after Limp Biscuit was Rage Against the Machine and Metallica, uh, sadly during Metallica's set, one festival goer, David DeRosia, collapsed in the crowd at the Metallica performance and later died. <gasps> Believed to be from hypothermia, probably secondary to... S- to heat stroke. Oh my god! According to Syracuse.com, his mother then sued the festival promoters and the doctors on site because they were negligent by not providing enough fresh water and adequate medical care for the four hundred thousand attendees. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's like it's to me. It feels like you know people say it, it was just how do you, where do you point the finger? I'm like it feels uh, like it's the organize. Like, yeah, it feels the organizers. They've, just, they've yes. created this basically a dystopian. Yeah scenario in a very dystopian place like a, a disused air force yeah base and they're surprised that when they basically take away basic human rights like clean yeah. water and stuff yeah that things things go badly yeah but and, it's, that, it, and it, that people would hold them responsible for such things but it still feels like that they've kind of the organizers have always sort of shifted blame and no like none of the articles really want to just go it was because I mean, you've mm. you still got everyone has individual responsibility as well, yeah. I guess. So it is tricky, but yeah. But I don't think it's David's fault that he got hypothermia. Oh, certainly not. No, you know what I, I mean? Like, it, yeah, it's yeah. crazy, no, isn't in it? In that case, yeah, of course, yeah. it's. Um, and then you get well, the organisers go like, you know, it's well, you know, these are these are adults; they can look after themselves. They could bring water and food of their own. Yeah. Except I took it all. They can. They just had to eat it all. Just before coming just before, in. And then that should have got him through the weekend. Yeah. What, three days? Just take a f- shitload of drugs and yeah. you'll like, that's what I did in uh, 69. Yeah, appetite suppressing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the kids are doing it. All the kids are doing it. Get yourself a, a, a 24-pack of Fat Blaster, <laughs> appetite suppressants. No, that would be, they'd probably take that off you. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. Throughout the festival, there were multiple reports of sexual assaults. There were later protests by the National Organization of Women against the sexual violence um, that women endured at the festival. According to Kreps, whenever a woman walked on stage, whether to MC or perform, they were immediately greeted with demands to show us your tits. Apparently, Beautiful. just like it was, there was in the doco, there's footage of everyone's got signs, or not everyone, but lots of signs and that sort of stuff. 
somehow it just became this big thing. Show us your tits. And it's like, it's really gross, uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, the festival's official website. And so you go, well, this is individuals doing this. And of course, yeah. you know, they shouldn't. But the festival's official website even posted photos of topless photo goers. Kreps continues. Considering how rife the festival was with sexual assaults, it was downright grotesque that the Woodstock site would post photos of women like that without their consent. Even the captions like nice pair and show us your tits, to name a few, were tasteless. Women's groups immediately criticised the site's webmaster and co-promoter John Shear called Woodstock.com's actions repugnant. He was like, ugh. In the doco, some of the things he was saying about, like, you know, obviously it's not good that sexual assaults were happening, but, you know, what? any, any city of this size, it was a quarter of a million people, there'd be assaults happening. What? So why is he's just like I don't yeah ugh. yeah gross. So it's such a bad take. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. if you're gonna have a festival with a lot of people, these things happen is basically what yeah. he's saying. And it's like oh nah, <laughs> I reckon if you'd done some things better, they wouldn't. That's the that's the kind that's the point. Just had enough people. You yeah, know, have have that peace patrol. That's right. It's not a not the worst idea, but have them trained. Have enough of them. Yeah, give them a bit of training. Make it feel safe. This is just a, a look like a super, like, and, and documentaries can make things go one way or another, but, you know, it just yeah. watching it, it just felt like the whole thing was increasingly unsafe mm. and starting from a pretty dodgy spot. Mm. You know, you're starting from a spot of everyone's out in the, the sun, drinking lots of beer, doing all sorts of drugs. Everyone's out of their minds. Mm. And it gets worse from there. Yeah. And then we're going to slowly take away toilets mm. <laughs> because they no longer work. Clean water. Um, you're possibly not going to be able to afford food and drinks. The Guardian's Rebecca Nicholson wrote that Woodstock 99's most sinister legacy is the sheer number of uh, acts of sexual abuse and harassment that took place over those three days. A consequence of both poor security and the climate of impunity and toxic masculinity that pervaded the rock scene of the late 1990s. And I think it just in, in particular that festival as well mm. for all those other reasons. The glorification of nudism, recreational shamelessness and free love hid an atrocious machismo and a nauseating lack of respect for women's sexual freedom. So, yeah, I, like I said, I'm not going to, you know, there's many in, individual incidents that are documented, but I feel like it's probably we don't, you know, don't need to go into it anymore mm. based on this being a, meant to be a lightly entertaining podcast. Yeah, it's like just – yeah, the environment you've created lends itself to that. And so it's crazy to sort of be like, oh, I mean, what 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 could we possibly do? It's It happens is a baffling take. Yeah, and it's still saying that years yeah, after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much time to reflect on it. Yeah, surely you've had so many conversations about this and that's still your take and opinion. And the world has moved on so much, even in 20 years, about all these issues. Yeah. You go oh, – even if you have, you're saying, "Oh, I didn't really understand it back then." Yeah, yeah. You got no excuse now. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I'd argue you had no excuse then. But um, so by Sunday morning, tired, sunburnt, grossed out by the unsanitary nature of the site, large chunks of the crowd started heading home. You know, some of them with trench mouth. Perfect oh, souvenir for the ages. And there were, you know, there's footage <laughs> of people leaving, just like, "I can't. I'm just fried. I'm, I've been out in the sun all day. I just can't." I can't get up. You know, there's 
footage of people fo- like just sleeping on the ground under ca- pieces of cardboard and stuff. Just awful. Yeah. Those who stayed were having to pay increasingly exorbitant prices for food and water. Like I was saying before, twelve like heard maybe twelve dollars for a bottle. So a resentment to the festival organizers was continuing to grow. Mm. There was there's footage of some wild um, press conferences that the organizers were doing each day with the media. Start they started off pretty positive on the opening days. Uh, they're shifting blame when getting asked questions about why isn't there more security. How well organized is this? This feels like chaos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're like, no, you know, we think everything's going great. You know, just sort of, they're still sort just of trying to fake it, it till they yeah, make yeah, it or yeah. something. Like people go, these journalists are out there. They've, they can see what's actually happening. No, no, no. no. There's plenty of water and uh, people are allowed to bring in everything they could possibly want. Yeah, of course, and, uh, have, no one's taking a poo in the water. It's fine. No, not at all. So I don't know. I'll what, drink some right now. I don't know oh, what no. you're talking about. <laughs> Fills out a, a fresh glass of Perrier yeah, sparkling. Yeah. Mm, mm. Poo free. <laughs> uh, there was also a strong rumor going around the festival that a secret act was going to close out the festival after the Red Hot Chili Peppers played as the last official act on the night. Even like during the festival, uh, why do I always forget his name? Michael Lang mm-hmm. was like interviewed saying, "So how, is the so Chili Peppers there? That that's going to finish the festival?" He said, "It's the, they're the last official act, but." Yeah, that's all I'll say, but we might have something special planned. So the rumors are going around and like that's fueling going, oh, fuck, I wonder what this is going to be. So rumors <laughs> were rife, including with the staff. They're like, this is top secret. So there's footage at the time, people going, I've heard Rolling Stones. I've heard it's Prince. You know, I've heard it's Michael Jackson. Someone's like, Holy I think shit. Guns N' Roses are reforming to play this. <laughs> so there's just, it's Holy just shit. out of control. Yeah. Uh, and people are going, well, you know, I'm hanging around because this is going to be God. something for the ages. Even if they get someone pretty good at this point, people are going to be disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Even you get you get Prince, but the people who are expecting the Stones are yeah. like, oh, oh what? Prince. Yeah. You're, you're expecting Michael Jackson and it's Guns of Roses. Like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. matter what. This happened at Meredith like 10 years ago, Meredith Music Festival. They had a, a secret slot. They obviously didn't learn from this. <laughs> and... Uh, it was similar. You know, it was almost like comical and probably was in a lot of cases people, you know, saying, I've heard it's these sort of huge names. Nirvana. I've heard I've heard it's Paul McCartney and stuff like that. <laughs> and it ended up being Bob Log the Third, who's like a very good right, bluesy rock but- guy, sort of slide <laughs> guitar music, just a man and a guitar. Cannot live up to the Paul you McCartney hype. <laughs> you never, like it was, they, they admit that, that. They're like, yeah, that was a big mistake. He was never, we set him up to fail. Like no matter what, yeah. you're not going to live up to it. Oh, It's like on The Masked Singer when they reveal it and they have to pretend that everyone knows. Oh, my God. It's an extra from Neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> it's a footballer's wife. <laughs> <laughs> but they've been like guessing like, oh. I think I, it's Madonna. It's Madonna. I heard it's, it's Will Smith. Yeah. And then it's like. Oh, of course. It's, it's that- Greg from down the street. <laughs> it's Greg from down the street. <laughs> oh, I love Greg. Yeah. Oh, all week we've been guessing superstars. Yeah. From down the street. From down the street. <laughs> so as the day continued on, the vibe was increasingly strained and it all reached boiling point during the Chili Peppers set. Uh, so on that final Sunday, uh, the, the main stage, this was how it went. Willie Nelson, the Brian Seltzer Orchestra, which is going to fun, very... Um, it was fun. Uh, Everlast, Elvis Costello, Jewel, 
Creed <laughs> uh, featuring a member of the Doors and then the Red Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, right. Uh, Which one from the Doors? I think maybe the... Greg. It was... The organ you know, player? Were you known by name? Robbie no. Krieger. Oh, I love Krieger's work. Do you? What a guy. Yeah. Guitarist. Big fan of... The Doors. Krieger. <laughs> Krieger. With Krieg's wide open... <laughs> Featuring Robbie Krager. <laughs> Sorry, we, uh, we don't actually have Robbie Krager on stage, but we've just changed all the lyrics of our songs to be about <laughs> Robbie Krager. The Robbie Krager tribute show featuring Creed. <laughs> Rumours were rife. Do we have Krager? <laughs> have they got Krager? I've we heard could Craig's have possibly. Got <laughs> and some were like, some people were like, oh, it's connecting back to the original Woodstock, but. The Doors didn't play at the original Woodstock. Oh, no, but okay. like it would make sense if they had brought out The Who or something yeah. from the original. Yeah. Sorry, but after Creed, was it The Chili Peppers or someone else? Then it was The Chili Peppers, right? Yep. So most of the focus tends to be on Limp Bizkit's Saturday Night Set. And it, there's even articles that I read and some of these that I'm quoting, which probably, you know, might throw on a doubt some of the things they say, but they one of them said after straight after Limp Bizkit, it was Red Hot Chili Peppers. But when they say straight after, they mean 24 hours after. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, so it was they, they were trying to make it it made it sound like in that article that it went Limp Biscuit made everything hectic and then the chili pepper set fully exploded. Right. But it was like there was a day with jewel and yeah. stuff in between. Nelson. Yeah, Will- <laughs> yeah. It was fun in the docker they had Willie Nelson on stage playing on the road again and that's when they were showing everyone leaving. <laughs> like that's good documentary that area. That's good stuff. People washing their hands. They got Jules' hands playing. <laughs> Small hands, children's hands. <laughs> but they they did have um, footage of Jewel and other acts being like, it's feeling a bit off. The vibe's a little bit weird. And they're like, let's go straight to the, our van and get the yeah, fuck get out, out of here. here. And that, that was happening all through the mm. day. Like there's footage of Jewel coming off just being like, oh, that was, uh, you know, weird. Oh, it would suck to like play a festival that big. You know, you'd think that should be one of the best gigs of mm. your life, and then to get off stage and be like, "I right, let's get the fuck out of here." Because you've been, it's just like it, it it's poorly curated. Mm. The it seems like because of the biggest acts on the lineup, the the crowd was skewed towards people who wanted to hear Limp Bizkit and Corn. Yeah. And Metallica and the heavier bands, so it sort of throws under the bus some of the other. Yeah, ends. yeah, yeah. It's difficult. Uh, even though they did seem to go okay, but I think you know, I mean, I imagine Jules being asked to show us your tits and stuff like that. Probably yeah. as well. They didn't show that, but I, you know, by the sounds of it, that's what was going on the whole time. Yeah. Uh, there was a um, Cheryl Crow. They said it to this footage, and she said. You'd have to pay a lot more for a ticket to see that or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then she was being interviewed after and someone yells something incomprehensible and she's like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, tell you what, I reckon I want to go out there and meet some of these. It's sort of, yeah, sort yeah, of making yeah. it sound like she's going to go <laughs> knock some people out. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, Cheryl Crow. Good on you, Cheryl Crow. Yeah, let's fight violence with violence. Yeah. I reckon that would be that. That's probably what could have solved it. Send Cheryl Crow out there to knock yeah. some people. Find the biggest guy out there. You know, there. nothing's gonna <laughs> knock, knock him, him out. out. Nothing fights guns better than yeah. bigger guns. Bigger guns. <laughs> There's okay. no bigger guns than Crozies. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so Chili Peppers closing out the show. Final act, or is it? <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. Because Michael Jackson's coming up. Yeah. Michael Jackson's coming. Oh, Michael so Jackson's the, playing with the Rolling Stones. They got the Chili Peppers open for 
for the Beatles. That's fucking sick. That's going to be so great. Uh, according to Akari, the Sunday night chaos was triggered by an absurd decision to hand out tens of thousands of lit candles to attendees and asking them to perform a spontaneous homage to the victims of the mass shootings at Columbine. Which had taken place months before. So during that, this I think this is what they thought was sort of the big finale. And for a little while, it looked awesome. The whole crowd, 100, 150, however many people left, 1,000 people. With candles, candles in the air. Candles in the air. Uh, yeah, that would, they, look, that would look beautiful. While Chili Peppers played Under the Bridge, a song about heroin addiction, I think, in tribute to the Columbine shoot. Okay. And then there's interviews with the organisers, like, retrospectively going, you know, the kids, they just, their generation doesn't really care about things like ours did. They don't care about mass shootings. They have no respect for people who have died. It's their fault. It's not that they we just had trying. a hellish few days because yeah. of us. And, uh, and you They're know. at the end of their tether in yeah. a lot of ways. And- fuck. We treated them like animals. We kept poking them, singing off key. Me, me, my mo. <laughs> me, mo, my me. Yeah, it was weird that they reacted like that. That's so strange. Kids these days, honestly. So, I don't know if you can guess uh, what happens next. I'm going to guess. Uh, everyone just sits down and has a chat about it. Yeah, when the candles come out, Elton comes out, candle in the wind. Yes. Thank you and good night. Seems to me you're living your life like a candle They bring Jonathan from Corn comes back out. My candle wind. So back to Akari. So the, the candles get handed out. It's looking beautiful for a little bit. Then instead of uh, just, I guess, putting them out with their fingers, you know, like you would have done in a class, right? Lick them. Lick them. Lick them. Put them back in the box for next year. Yeah. <laughs> instead, the audience used the candles to set fires. What? The band ignored the promoters who suggested they ask for calm on stage. Apparently, Anthony Kiedis, singer of the Chili Peppers, uh. told an increasingly overwhelmed John Shear <laughs> that they wouldn't listen to me. I'm a musician, not a prophet. <laughs> He's like... Come on, man. I'm a serious artist as he stands there with a, naked with a sock on his dick. Flea was literally just flopping it, the chop out the whole time. Just He left himself nowhere to go. Just flipping and flopping all over the place. Flipping and flopping. Just coming. Like, imagine. No, he wasn't taking it that far. <laughs> coming out onto stage yeah, sorry, yes. naked. Yeah. Yeah. So you he was nowhere, you, there's no, there's Normally, no reveal. You go shirt off. Yeah. You, get, you know. You know. And then pants off, the pants rip off, and everyone's like, whoa, but you're just going out naked. It's weird. Yeah, it's a bit it's weird, like, Flea. Jesus Christ, Flea. Put some pants on. <laughs> Melbourne-born, Flea. Really? Am I, am I right in saying that? My favourite musician. You know, we love to claim. Yeah, now now that I know that. Now that my I know that, I, I take back what I said. We love you, Flea. <laughs> Let me just double check that. I think I, that is true. It is true. Michael Peter Balzari, official name, is an Australian musician and actor, according to Wikipedia. Yes, correct. He was born in Melbourne. But he didn't grow up here, though, did he? And then his family moved to Rye in New York. I should have finished that. (laughs) I stopped at the comma and went, Rye. Rye Rye down the peninsula. Beautiful part. When he was four. So, I mean, he's from Melbourne like I'm from Kyneton. Yeah, I was going to say, if Matt gets to claim Kyneton. But you never lose the accent, though, do you? No. Well, I I think I picked up a lot of this accent in Charlton, actually, where I moved from Kyneton. They're the, the formative years. Start a primary school. Yeah, yeah. Same as Flea. Same as Flea. That's, That's why, why he's always saying short, flat, white, thanks. Yeah. Is that what he's saying? Short, flat, white, yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, because you're from Melbourne, you know that. You know that's a real thing. <laughs> Is it a real thing? And that's what we all say, a short, flat, white. <laughs> Is yes. that you asking for a haircut? Yeah. Short, black, back and sides, white, please. <laughs> yeah. Is that okay? 
Skin soy. Thank you. Yeah, skinny. Can I get a skinny skinny haircut? soy? Uh, so yeah, so Keita's apparently is like, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not, they're not gonna listen to me. Instead, so does that mean that they, they've gone off stage? They've they finished gone off their stage, set. Yep. And, and they're said, like, can hey, you can go you go back, back out? out and be like, hey, stop setting fire to things? Because there, there's, you know, orange glows in the distance. There's like three separate fires. Jesus, have started. Sheer apparently is going. I, I never saw this coming. Everything had been going perfectly until now. Everything's so I know smooth. it's not the Ritz Carlton, but <laughs> which is where I'm staying. <laughs> yeah. I know there's shit in the water. Instead of going out and calming things down, instead they went out and played a cover of Jimi Hendrix's "Fire." What? They're not going to listen to me if I go out and say, "Hey guys, let's pipe down, pipe down." They're not going to listen. I'll go out. I'll calm them with music. Yeah, I know what to do. I know what to play. I've got the perfect. I'm going to fire the, with the song "Fire." Off the, <laughs> off the top of my head, I'll think of a song to play. Okay, what can I see? What can I see? What can I see? Because he's uh, like me. Any yeah. suggestions from the audience? Yeah. <laughs> okay, are uh, you burning fire? Burning fire. 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 Okay, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, no, we can okay. do that. Let's oh, see. Hendrix. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so you know, it took about three minutes for the song, and then those three, more fires during that. The three existing fires became a dozen. It also became clear at, as they finished their set that there was no big name secret act. There was none. No, nah. they played some footage of Jimi Hendrix on the big screen, and that was it. So then, why did they say there was a secret act? They didn't say it was a secret act. They said, "I just won't say any more." Oh, heavily oh. alluding to something. Yeah, that there was oh, they're the last official. But, sure. the, but they had a video. Yeah, <laughs> and they were handing out candles. Okay. Oh my god, they fucked up. So now that that's the end of the festival, everyone go home. Go home in the morning. Yeah, go to bed. Go home in the morning. Go but, to bed right now. But you've you've been hyped up. Fires have started. We're just cutting you off now. Nothing to nothing to focus your energy or attention on. Uh, just you know, as 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 you as you want to go back to your tents, have a sleep, and then you head off in the morning. I assume that bright be fine. and early. Thanks. Yeah. Well, this place cleaned up by ten. That's not what happened. What? What do you mean? What? I'd be straight that's, to bed. That's weird, isn't it? Because they really got them fired up. Yeah. Expecting something. <laughs> there was an anticlimax. Yeah. Fires were burning because they gave them an Candles. easy way of making fire. Yeah. And then uh, this is back to Akari. The pyromaniac impulse gave way to euphoric violence, befitting the novel Lord of the Flies. They raised everything to the ground, leaving the venue in a state that one organizer the next day likened to war-torn Bosnia. They destroyed the commercial tents, broke into cash registers, toppled sound towers, raised the hippie-inspired murals covering the security perimeter, and tried to force their way into the VIP area and the organizers' offices. So all the organizers were in locked away, mm. you know, fearing for themselves and their lives. They're in their panic rooms. Uh, just it it went crazy. Like they were literally climbing up the towers and pulling them down. They had just lost control. Fires were going off everywhere. Uh, ATMs were being turned over. They're smashing them open to try to Whoa. get the cash out of them. Yeah, it was just absolute mayhem. Eventually, it took a while, but eventually the uh, some, like heavily armoured police came in and that sort of ended it. But this was after quite a while. Mm. Maker of the Trainwreck doco series, Jamie Crawford, 
believes the final night of chaos is hilariously representative of the whole event in many ways. That's a quote from him. Saying, the intention behind the candles was honourable. They were trying to highlight a social ill of the time and they had successfully had this candlelit vigil moment in the original Woodstock and also in Woodstock 94. However, despite the best intentions, it landed at precisely the wrong minute of the wrong hour of the wrong day. As Kreps wrote, Following a weekend of extreme heat, overpriced vendors and general bad vibes, fire was the flint that ignited the crowd. The song Fire, he reckons. <laughs> we all know what happened next. Bonfires broke out throughout the crowd. Vehicles were flipped and set ablaze. So there's all these cars that were left there the next day just burnt out on their roofs. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, eventually, when the uh, the troopers and local law enforcement came in, they defused the riots. But Griffiths Air Force Base still ended up looking like a bomb hit it. So, in a conclusion, sort of, who was to blame? I mean, I think I've sort of made my vague, I've mm. probably slanted my telling of it slightly to what, you know, there's obviously like awful people doing awful things there. Sure, yes. But I think the overarching blame has to go on the organisers. Absolutely. As soon as they, yeah, they just. They fucked it. They fucked it. Yep. Like in every way. Yep. They did nothing right. Like yep. amazingly, nearly nothing at all right. Yep. Probably even just taking out, and I know it's ridiculous to blame heavy music for stuff, but even if you just took out those yeah. bands, it would have changed the vibe of the festival straight away. It, it would have attract, attracted mm. a different crowd. But even still, they would have had an awful time, Yeah, but potentially wouldn't have gone quite as violent, mm. maybe. Um, so you could change elements, but I don't think you could... Turn it into a good festival. No, they really set themselves up for failure. Mm. Yeah, so who was to blame? Judy Berman of Time Magazine notes that the festival goers vented all the anger they had accumulated during three days of aggressive music, inflammatory messages, and systematic mistreatment by incompetent and unscrupulous organisers. I think that wraps it up pretty nicely. Mm. Berman contends that the festival was a complete train wreck from the beginning. It assumed that 250,000 people could function for three days as a community capable of self-regulating under conditions of total abandonment by the organisers and that no serious incidents would take place. Speaking to Crawford, the director of Trainwreck, Mitchell tries to get him to place the blame somewhere. So obviously he's seen a lot of the footage. He's put yeah. together a documentary system. He's, he goes to big lengths to be like, you know, we're just, we're just showing you what happened. You make up your own mind sort of stuff. John Schur and the organisers of Woodstock 99 have not accepted any responsibility for the failures of the festival. Perfect. And over the years have placed the blame on Limp Biscuit and the crowd in attendance. They're like, is that Fred Durst? He did it. <laughs> and I think, you That know, dastardly Durst. <laughs> you, you book Fred Durst, he does a Fred Durst performance, then you go, how dare you? How dare you Durst it up in here? <laughs> I don't, like, and I don't think he has no, uh, nothing to answer to or anything. Yeah. But it's just, it just feels like that's kind of ridiculous. It feels like by the time Fred Durst took to the stage, tensions were already bubbling and people were already in a completely fucked situation where the organisers had paid no attention to environmental factors. Yes. And, mm. yeah, weren't supplying basic human needs. And it was set fire to t- over 24 hours after he had performed. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. So I don't think it's He's Fred long Durst. gone by that bit. Could, can he claim to not have any idea what was going on in the audience? No. But it's, that feels like that's about where his responsibility ends. Yeah. Discussing the role of the organisers at the festival, Crawford reflected, 
talking to the producers about it because, as you will have seen, they have their own very distinct memories of it, partly, I think, because they are responsible for the gig and they will inevitably remember it with slightly rose-tinted glasses, and also because they saw their own limited view of the events. They weren't camping half a mile away from the action or drinking from the dodgy pipes. So I don't think they could have as a visceral memory of those events as the people who actually experienced them. So I think in some respects, they made valid arguments, and in other respects, they deflect it wherever possible, the problems that had occurred. Uh, well, he's been very diplomatic Yeah, there. I think it, it's, it's, sometimes it's harder to be critical when you've uh, met and interviewed people, yeah, spent a lot of time true. with them. You're yeah. like, oh, you know, they seem, they seem right. reasonable. You don't want to be like this fucking guy who I got along with quite well. But the problem is, you know, as a director, you probably yeah, you kind of got to make sucked a call. in by that stuff necessarily. It just seems so, like, relatively black and white to yeah. me. There's so many factors, but they're at the top. Like, so many of them funnel down from decisions yeah, they Yeah, I feel like they're, they're behind all those factors yep. in some way or another. In the end, though, Crawford believes there isn't a single factor that can explain what triggered the events of Woodstock 99. I think that fundamentally the takeaway from this story is that it was a sort of perfect cocktail of unfortunate events, missteps, and mishaps that individually might not have been problematic but together combined to bring this thing tumbling down and leave it ch- a charred and smoky mess. It's interesting that um, some of the people, like a lot of the people who went to the festival uh, as teenagers and young adults who were interviewed in the doco were like, honestly, it's one of the best weekends of my life. Oh, wow. As well. So, you know, there's that side of things as well, mm. which, yeah, that doesn't get talked about as much, but a lot of people had a great time. Well, memory can't be trusted. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Uh, The New York Times asked Rage Against the Machine for their opinion of the festival's controversy. Tom Morello, the guitarist, uh, wrote an article in 1999, not long after the festival, saying, Hey, man, leave the kids alone. (laughs) I've had enough of the frenzied demonization of young people surrounding Woodstock 99. Yes, Woodstock was filled with predators, the degenerate idiots who assaulted those women, the greedy promoters who wrung every cent out of the thirsty concertgoers, and last but not least, the predator media that turned a blind eye to the real violence and scapegoated a quarter of a million music fans at Woodstock 99, the vast majority of whom had the time of their lives. So, yeah, I mean, some of that stuff is a little bit flippant, I think, about... I wonder if he'd uh, maybe word some of that stuff differently, but Mm. his overall point of... You know, a lot of the blame is kids today. It's not that this is what, of course, this is what would happen if you let these teenagers yeah. in 1999 let loose. It's like, it feels like a social experiment. What was that um, bonus episode we did years ago about Stanford prison experiments? Here you go. Ah, isn't that, that's college students of the 70s or whenever it was. Yeah. They would all be like this. No, yeah. it was this fucked experiment, basically. You put them in this fucked situation and they act, act a bit fucked. Yeah. Uh, it took three weeks to clean up the site after the festival. Yuck. Cost around $78,000. Did that lady uh, stick to- around? Yeah, she was there with a few garbage bags. <laughs> One garbage few bag bags. <laughs> it was just her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took about, yeah, it cost about eighty grand to um, fix up the grass in the limited grass areas there. And, uh, yeah, I think I've already quoted her, but this quote comes up in every article about it. Uh, the San Francisco Examiner journalist... Jane Ganahl uh, wrote an article about the event famously and fairly dramatically describing it as the day the music died. It is a bit dramatic. We've had music since. <laughs> music has survived. Yeah, festivals have survived. 
yeah. well-run festivals continue to happen with uh, to- adequate toilets and drinking water. I think, I mean, all of this just made me so um, feel so lucky to have Meredith Music Festival with their capped audience. Yes. They, they don't allow more than 12,000 even though it sells out every year. Yeah. All the facilities are great. Yep. You know, it's not it's not the Ritz Carlton. Oh, it's not. <laughs> but uh, it's delightful. It's also not Woodstock '99. Yeah. It's probably halfway between the two. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much the the report. And I think if you if you find it interesting, you want to see the footage. It's some of the wildest live music rock and roll footage you'll see of a crowd that big just heaving. Wow. Uh, How many people was it again? Uh, 250,000 sounds like at the peak, but 400,000 overall. That's what I think. And then, you know, there were others who probably that's got in on fake passes. That's insanely big. Yeah. That's too many people. Yeah, that's like it is literally a city's population. Yeah. At the time of the festival, it was the third biggest city in New York State. Right. But I thought, fi- quickly finish with a question, is there going to be another Woodstock Festival? Yes, yes. come on, let's Can, go. Third or fourth time lucky. Can we perform there? If you've got Umbilical Brothers, bring <laughs> Dugo on over. We'll calm it down. Do you think of us as like the modern day Umbilical Brothers? Yeah. Even though the Umbilical Brothers are still around and performing? Uh, that's okay. Um, my first ever gig, I got called a Celia Bacola tribute act. and She's not dead. And was arguably on the rise at that time. Yeah, like, what, eight years older than you? Not even. <laughs> yeah. So, a baffling take. Will you be doing that act at the at Woodstock? Yes, yeah, so of course. I'll be so, hello, I'm Celia. And then I'll wink at him. No, I just think, like, get us on stage. Yeah. You want to calm everybody down. Why not sit quietly, have a laugh, have a learn? Mm. Yeah, we're talking about something. We're talking about something. It'll yeah. be fun. I reckon, they, yeah, if, especially if we can get it in a place that's really hot with no shade, I think we'll <laughs> really get to – we'll hold their attention for sure. I think we'll do really well. I think that'll be our best gig ever. Put us on the emergency, emerging artist. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah. follow Ben Lee. Yeah. Before Moby. That's yep. our sweet spot. Perfect. Yeah. Ben Lee, do go on Moby. Oh, there was some that's other good. weird fact. There was um, on that stage – on the emerging artist stage, it was who was it? John Entwistle from oh, yeah. The Who, yeah, played a solo set on the emerging artist <laughs> stage in 1999. <laughs> from The Who, <laughs> from the- <laughs> okay, so sure. He, he played at both Woodstocks then. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. There was one of two, I think you maybe did, but it's just so funny that. <laughs> <laughs> what emerging artists? We They're really think like we want to have future. you, but. You, you you're playing like songs no one knows. You can't do a main stage. And is he the bass? He's the bass player. Was he yeah. just doing the bass parts? <laughs> I think he was doing a original. <laughs> Everyone now. <laughs> were the um were those crime shows out yet? The so CSI, CSI. No, they hadn't had their yeah. second wind yet. So I think if the CSI shows were out, he could have just yeah. played all the theme songs. <laughs> so here we go. Remember this one, Miami. I remember one of my friends. When we were in year seven, had a CSI video game and you had to go around and like collect samples at crime scenes. And I'm now realizing I don't know if that was the most appropriate game for a 12 year old to be playing. Wow, no. It was a bit grim. Yeah, going around with a black light and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, full on. Although, teaches them. Yeah, I mean, you got to learn at some point, eh? <laughs> how to use a black light on a crime scene. How to I not never le- saw it. Is that how to not do? leave evidence? <laughs> Uh, so, yes, yeah, so the question, will there ever be another one? According to Esquire, in short, 
Probably not. At the end of HBO's 2021 documentary, Woodstock 99, Peace, Love and Rage, which is the the other one that came out. Mm-hmm. So it's funny how things come out in pairs. It's yeah. like ants and a bug's life all over again. <laughs> exactly like that. <laughs> um, so in that other doco, Michael Lang was asked if he thought there would be another Woodstock, given the carnage that unfolded at the turn of the millennium. He said that, at his age, he'd learn not to rule anything out, but it's not looking likely anytime soon. The legendary promoter passed away in January of this year at the age of 77 from non-Hodgkin lymphoma. In the years after Woodstock 99, Lang had found success writing about the original festival with his 2009 book, The Road to Woodstock, that became a New York Times bestseller. He even tried to stage a 50th anniversary festival in 2019, which was ultimately cancelled, set to be held in Bethel, New York, suffered a number of blows before organisers pulled the plug. It was first reduced from three days to one, financial and legal difficulties emerged early on, and many headliners, including Miley Cyrus, Jay-Z, Santana, and Dead & Company, amongst many others, cancelled their appearances due to the chaotic production process. Just sounds like everything. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's got the name and he sort of, it kind of was was great, but he stumbled upon it. The original one was a mess as well. Yeah. So it just became iconic, so... If someone else had the name, you know, like Ian Chug, whatever that Mel, <laughs> Michael Chug. Isn't there a, yes, there's, there's an Australian promoter called Chug Entertainment. Mm. Get Chug on board. Get Chug on <laughs> Chuggy. Get Chug on. If we can all pitch in, get Chug the rights to Woodstock, then I reckon it could be It would be golden. Yeah. Too bad Gadinsky's not around anymore. He, yeah. he would have made it work. And it's a bummer that the 50th has been, that would have been primo, 2019, yes. 50 years yeah, totally. It would, I, and I think, you know, I think the right person doing it could it's could, could do something could great. Do something great with it. Obviously, you'd have to learn, study the tapes, yeah, and <laughs> nearly do nothing yeah. that they did in the past. I reckon ignore the peace love kind of thing. Let that go. Yeah, you know, um, you can't just you can't toilets do both. and enough food and <laughs> shelter for everybody. Just do that. Yeah, instead of giving everyone. Lit candles. Maybe just give them like semi-automatic rifles. <laughs> all right, we're all going to shoot into the air, shoot to the um, air as a tribute to you know, I don't know the, the, the I don't know the troops, the troops or a bushfire. Yeah, or something. bushfire. That'd be nice. Because like they the tribute to the gun violence was fire. Yeah, so maybe a bushfire tribute with guns. That's nice. I think the logic adds up there somehow. Anyway, the festival was officially cancelled on the thirty first of July two thousand nineteen, and with Michael Lang passing, it's Probably unlikely that uh, another Woodstock festival will happen. Yeah. I don't know if that's sad or not. It's so it's unfortunate that it ended in such a horrible way, but maybe it's appropriate. It seems just like the whole history of Woodstock was chaotic and yeah, and a lot of the '69 one I reckon is rose-colored glasses stuff as well. Absolutely, of course it there is. There was more footage there. I reckon you'd have more stories of grim stuff there. Yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. It's always nostalgia and. Yeah, looking back on things and going, maybe that wasn't so bad. But it was. It was that bad. Did anyone die at the 99 one? Yes. There was the guy who died in the the, the wash. Was there anyone else? Because I think there was also a couple at the first one too. So it's like. Yeah, I think a festival with any deaths occurring there is not great, is it? Not Mm -hmm. ideal. I know the music died that day. Of course. There you go. Rest in peace. (laughs) Hoping it'll come back any day now. I I, I, I miss music. You know, haven't heard it since I was nine. No, but we can't be trusted with it. We can't be trusted with music. Cannot Not young trusted. people these days. Are we young people? 
It's all relative. Are we middle-aged yet? No. Uh, no, I'm, I was around in the Middle Ages. <laughs> right. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah. Two other deaths were reported at the festival. A 44-year-old succumbed to the heat on Friday, and he'd also been an attendee at Woodstock 69. Oh, wow. Oh. And a 28-year-old woman was hit by a car while walking along the road when leaving the concert. Oh. Yeah. That one feels less of the responsibility of the concert organisers. Mm. But um, maybe unless it was like there were no the shuttle buses that yeah. were meant to be running yeah, weren't, right. so she had to walk just yeah, to leave. Yeah, yeah. Which I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, just get just to get out. I'd be I'd be bailing so quickly. Yes. Yeah, so I'd be out of there. Yeah. I feel like yeah, you'd, you'd No hope, way. You'd hope that the band you wanted to see was Bush or someone. James Brown even would be ideal. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You're done by eleven forty five. Yeah. Um yeah, so that just is her out to go home. That is the uh, story of Woodstock 99. And the fifth most voted for topic this block. There you go. Great report. Thanks for bringing that to to the pod because, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen any of the docos, so I knew very little about that. I didn't know anything about it. Do do you have any interest in seeing them now? Or is it like, well, I know enough? does sound grim, but you reckon the the series is is very well made? Yeah, I thought it was. And, you know, there's obviously there's – Many other bits yeah. and pieces that I didn't talk about. Yeah, I think that I think that would be pretty interesting. I mean, after I did the Fire Festival episode, I assume you went and watched the documentary. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Did you actually? Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, I was joking, but uh, good, good to know. I watched one of them anyway. <laughs> I inspired you. Yeah, and uh, but, you know, Jar that- Rule <laughs> was it Jar Rule? Yeah. <laughs> what a guy. Jar. Jar. Want to know what Jar's thinking? <laughs> All right, well, I think that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show where we get to thank a few of our great Patreon supporters. Mm. If you want to support the show, uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash pod. There's a bunch of different levels depending on uh, what you're into. Uh, it's mainly about peace and love, but, of course, also <laughs> capitalism here. Yeah. So the more you pay, the more rewards you get. <laughs> uh, but, of course, all of that helps make our weekly podcast free and at the moment our podcast network is doing three to four free podcasts a week Mm -hmm. uh dave what are what are some of the rewards people can get well you can uh you can uh (laughs) ladies and gentlemen check one two uh (laughs) you can get uh, three bonus episodes a month so you want to make that even more episodes uh coming into your podcast feed per week plus access to 150 bonus episodes straight away that we've already recorded Uh, you can be in a facebook group vote for topics steer the show you get to hear about shows before everyone else and get discounted tickets that's how a bunch of people got the first tickets to matt our UK tour that we're doing in November coming up very, very soon. That's right. We leave this week. Coming up this soon, uh, this week, starting off with our show in Birmingham, then we're in Glasgow, Leeds, Manchester, Bristol, and London. Oh, I can't wait to be over there. Hope to see you over there. But London. Fa- London. But Have a pint at John Smith's. <laughs> but for any future podcasts, uh, live podcasts we do, you also get to hear about that first and get the discounts. Yeah. That's right. Uh, the first thing we like to do normally uh, in this section of the show is the fact, quote, or question section, which has a jingle, I think, goes on one of those. Fact, quote, or question. Ding! He always remembers the ding. And the way this works is uh, if you want to get involved, you go to the Sydney Scheinberg level or above and you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. I'll read out for each and every week. And uh, this week, um, what is it? Have I explained that well enough? Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. 
give yourself a title. We read out a fact or question or brag or suggestion of your choosing and, uh, yeah, we have a good time. Uh, so first up this week, I should say I don't read these till I read them. So if anyone's going, oh, why did you – it sort of sounded like you didn't fully know how that sentence was going to end. <laughs> oh, you, you fumbled over words and you sounded awfully strange. <laughs> That's just who I am. <laughs> for the time recently. It was a tongue twister or something, and you you lost your mind afterwards. And you're like, "That was a thrill! <laughs> what a ride!" I was flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> couldn't uh, believe I landed it. I felt like I was. I couldn't off believe the it. I felt like I was on a bucking, a bucking bronco. Yeah. Uh, the first one this week comes from Stephen Edmonds, aka enthusiast in upping my level to make a certain type of submission. <laughs> I wonder what it could be. What does that mean? Uh, Stephen is offering us a fact. Fact. Here it is. The Australian Women's Weekly Children's Birthday Cake Book might be quite well known. Man, it was my favourite book. Absolutely, as a kid, of course. Uh, man. What, it was a you, farm. Yeah, what did you have? The duck. I love the, the pool. I was going to say the pool with, with the, the jelly. jelly water. Yeah, oh, that's so, so good. good. The piano. I had oh, yeah, one piano's nice. It's a duck. I think I had a piano at one point. Yeah, I love the piano because you got white chocolate keys. Yeah, yum. Which I don't like as much anymore, but as a kid, the sweeter the better. Uh, so anyway, Stephen goes on to say, but it's just one of an extensive series with another being the Big Book of Beautiful Biscuits. Originally based on a recipe in TBBOBB, uh, these chocolate chip cookies. Oh, it's a recipe. Yes. <laughs> It was a recipe hidden in a fact. That's good. Here it is. Get your pens at the ready if you want to have this ready. original chocolate chip cookie recipe. I'm actually in the kitchen right now with every possible ingredient available. <laughs> the oven is hot. Let's the water is boiled. I can do anything you like. All right, Let's Dave. Go. First, 250 grams of butter. Oh, butter. Fuck, I forgot butter. <laughs> what did that Nuttalex will do? <laughs> okay, all right. 250 grams of Nuttalex. Uh, one cup of sugar. Okay. One cup of dark brown sugar. Oh, okay. I love this when they're doubling up on sugar. Yum. Two of the first three ingredients were sugar. More butter. <laughs> <laughs> Caster sugar. <laughs> One teaspoon vanilla extract. Okay. Yum. Two eggs. Doesn't specify which. I assume ostrich. <laughs> three and a half cups self-raising flour. One teaspoon salt. And 250 grams of choc chips. It's going to make a fair few bickies. Stephen says, I go for a mix of milk duck and white chips. Yeah, yum. Uh, cream together, butter, sugars, and vanilla. Mm-hmm. Mix in lightly, beaten egg. Yum. Mix in sifted flour and salt. Yeah. Okay. Add chocolate chips. Shake into small balls. Shake. Shape into small balls. Oh, all right. Okay. Yep, I'm doing that because I was shaking my mix and it's gone everywhere. Sorry. I'm well, going to start again. Well, no, both steps were valid. <laughs> shake, then shape. Okay. All right. Sorry. I'm shaping. Uh, put it. Put the balls on a lined baking tray. Bake at 180 degrees Celsius for 10 to 12 minutes. Apologies mm. to people who use Fahrenheit. Figure Bing. it out. There's Google. There is Google. Good point. 180 degrees Celsius for 10 to 12 minutes. Don't overcook because you want them slightly chewy. Yeah, I love a chewy cookie. Thank you so much for that recipe, Stephen Edmonds. And here's, here are the biscuits I've prepared earlier. <gasps> Dave, they're terrible. What do you think? You don't like them? They sound very plasticky. Hold on, just get them out of the plastic packet. I put them in. I've... Hang on. 
Oh, that's delicious. Dave, I can't believe you're eating dog biscuits just for a bit. So embarrassing, They Dave. can't even see that you're eating dog biscuits. Well, I'm going in for more. <laughs> Jess, Actually, not you too. I'm going to try a dog biscuit. Oh. If I don't like it, are you going to eat it? Okay. Great. This is going to be awful for some people. Why? I think some people hate hearing people eat. I think you just say that when you don't like it. Well, I'm some people. <laughs> what do you think, Jess? you like this cookie for dogs? It's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. The Sorry, next, Stephen. The next one comes from Daniel Headley. Well, he couldn't cook it for you. I'm sure his were better. Uh, Daniel Headley, a.k.a. Just Call Me Daniel. This is too hard. <laughs> uh, and Daniel has given us a quote writing, Mister, you just assured me that I could speak. <laughs> Look, I'm under what? I wish I knew from the top where I was, this was going. <laughs> Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Have a look at that headlock here. See that chap over there? He, get your hand off my penis. <laughs> this is the bloke who got me in the penis, people. Why did you do this to me? For what reason? What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? Oh, that's a nice headlock, sir. Oh, ah, yes. I see you know your judo well. Good one. And you, sir, are you waiting to receive my limp penis? How dare... Get your hands off me. Ta-ta and farewell. <laughs> my favourite bit is he's lowered into a car. Ta-ta and farewell. You may as well have said... And scene. <laughs> that is, that's the best quote you've ever read out. Daniel Hadley, fantastic work. Uh, doesn't attribute it to anyone, so I'm not sure where that quote comes from. Oh, what? Oh, was that not his original work? Uh, yeah, maybe it was. It must just be because he hasn't attributed it anywhere. I assume that was Daniel Hadley's original quote. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> oh, that was yet again exhilarating. <laughs> uh, did it. That was a great performance. <laughs> Honestly, that was great. The next one comes from, uh, and uh, for my audition today, I'm going <laughs> to- <laughs> I'll be <laughs> reading out from the script of the succulent Chinese meal, man. <laughs> I will need someone to receive my limp penis. Is it okay to have a scene partner? <laughs> the next one comes from- Someone lo- says too eagerly. I will, I will receive your oh, limp penis. Yeah. And all we have to say is, we haven't assured you of anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're under arrest. I'm under what? I'm, I'm under, under what? what? <laughs> Love that when an H sneaks out ahead. I'm, I'm under what? What? Uh, next one comes from Logan Husky, a.k.a. DJ Mixmaster, brackets not Mike. And it's a question from Logan. Logan Husky, he comes up a bit. He's a regular uh, contributor to um, somewhere. I just know the name well. It's a great name. I love the name. Mm. I mean, I love all the names of our Patreons, of course. Logan writes, hi, guys. I was wondering what are some of your all-time surefire, never-fail pump-up songs? The kind that are just a real shot of coffee to the soul and get you going for the day. Dave, no need to respond here. We already know yours is the German national anthem. Oh, (laughs) yes, I can hear it in my head right now. (laughs) I'm listening to it to get pumped up internally. How does it go? I imagine one of the AFL songs is based on it, though. I actually have no idea how it goes. I know the French one because that's is that Geelong's theme is to the French. Okay, I must say, yeah, yeah. Not... We are Geelong, the mm-hmm, greatest team mm-hmm. of all. We mm-hmm. are Geelong, we're always on the ball. We play the game as it should be played. Is that yours, Matt? That is good. Pretty. Is that? I mean, I might be singing out of tune, but is that vaguely the tune of the French national anthem? Um, 
trying, I can't think Why of anyone. Why do you ask the strangest <laughs> things to Dave? Sometimes he doesn't. de la patrie. That's how, it, that's how it starts. Dave's always over there. Oh, Brisbane Lions is the French one. So that's... Um, Dave's always over there. How's, it, how's the Lions one go? Could you start the French one and I can... I can't think of the tune. Uh, anyway, what's the answer to the question? What's your pump-up song? Oh, good question. Um, I I reckon maybe I love uh, Pennywise's um, Broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so is the song broken? <laughs> we only got three seconds in. I've been used. I've been bruised. Mm-hmm. I've been broken. Mm-hmm. And my back's up against the wall. And my will to survive can be stolen. Dave, take from me. My one is, um, oh, I'll admit that. We, a few weeks ago, did the uh, bank robber. What was his name? Hollywood Bandit. Yes. And we laughed at the time that he would listen to Highway to the Danger Zone whilst putting on his makeup yeah, for yeah, the bank yeah. robbery. That's funny. And I did a post about it that week on Instagram and I thought, you know, I'm not going to listen to it while I'm doing the dishes. I was rocking out. <laughs> yeah. it is a, it's a true pump-up tr- classic. Yeah. It's great. I also love um, from Scarface, Push It to the Limit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I do know that one. That's good. Can I throw in a song by the OCs, Mm -hmm. The Dream? That's a banger. Uh, Okay. Also, um, it's it's another like 80s movie song. I've never seen the movie, but it's called. I also think uh, Motley Crue, Kickstart My Heart is also a great pump-up song. Yeah, I'm just looking at my, my Spotify and I think most recently, the stuff that has that I've been listening to a lot has been like Apple by Wongo, which is very fun. Um, Wongo, Wongo, fantastic. Records you play by Low Ninety Nine. Uh, I also like Florence and the Machine. Free. That's got a good pump up. I reckon that is like uh, it's the closest I felt to the first time I heard the other big Florence and the Machine song. Whose name now escapes me? The the old one, the yeah. one from fucking Eat Pray Love. Maybe a body parts involved or something. You've Probably. got the love. You no, got the love. Nah. Love heart. The heart is a body part. There it is. It's an Elmo's fire man emotions. What I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. I also think um, I'm looking at classic pump up songs on Spotify. There's a playlist here. One of them is Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Does that pump you up? And they played uh, Woodstock '99. I think the only one they got right is Wanna Be by the Spice Girls. That pumps me up. That's a classic. Absolutely. Something I didn't mention. The Offspring. uh, Is it Dexter or Noodles? Which one's the one? Noodles, the the guitarist. Dexter's the singer with the blonde hair. Dexter. Yeah, he's very unconvincing. I think it's some anyway. He, there were these sort of uh, blow up dummies that they had made to look up, look like the be- uh, Backstreet Boys, and then he sort of beat them down with a baseball bat and went. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was like one of the lamest attempts I've seen of someone trying to be badass. Yeah, that I've badass. But anyway, which it feels mean. I'm sorry, Dexter, if you're listening. Hi, Dexter. I thought you were the coolest thing in the world in the '90s growing up. So it was the biggest thing in the '90s. <laughs> oh, here it. 
We are the pride of Brisbane town. We wear maroon. We will always fight for victory. Like Fitzroy and Bears of old. That's the French one. Marshawn. Marshawn. But he he's answered his question here. Love that. Saying someone would be sabotaged by the Beastie Boys. That's a good one. All my life by the Foo Fighters and the drop by Regurgitator. Thank Good choices. You, thank you for continuing to produce the show week in and week out for almost seven years, and that is not only thoroughly entertaining but genuinely, genuinely interesting, making my nights driving Uber so much more bearable. P.S. Sorry for, about the German joke, Dave. I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. <laughs> Uh, and finally, this one comes from Ben Johnson, MK Don's own. Is that where the MK Don's are from? And Ben has given himself the title. Okay, it's a it's a hyperlink to a map. Let's see where this takes us. This is highly irregular. We're going on a quest here. Uh, the Ben Johnson Pub. It took me to. <laughs> That's your title. Oh, where is it? Is the Ben Johnson Pub? Outside of Oxford mm. in uh, in England. Okay. There you go. Wish I had a pub. Maybe you do. Get a pub then. Okay. Ben has given us this quote. Get your hands. No. Um, <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> some people say the glass is half empty or half full, but that's irrelevant because I'm having another drink. That is a Sean Locke. Rest in peace. Love a bit of Sean, Sean Locke Love work. Love Sean Locke. Very funny. So good. Feels like a real universally loved comedian. Mm. There aren't many of those. No. Me? You? I'm very divisive. Oh, okay. I thought we were starting a list. You? No, 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 no. Sean Locke? Me? No. Can't think of any others. Billy Connolly? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just, That's just, it. just Billy Connolly and Sean Locke. Right? Big three. Then the next thing we like to do is thank a few of our other great supporters. Jess, you normally come up with a bit of a game based on the topic at hand. I was thinking the headliner of their music festival. Fantastic. Which new new metal band? It can be anyone. Anyone, even out. Jeez, that's a lot. Yeah. We're essentially, okay, here's the thing. We're putting together a festival with these nine names. Oh, great. Maybe each of them is sort of gets to MC that part of the yeah, day. That'd so be they'll great. introduce they that band. They get to introduce the brand, yep. Okay. Well, if I can kick us off. Please. I'd love to thank from a Chicago, Illinois in the United States. It's Andrew Swibes. Andrew Swibes. Andrew Swibes. Andrew Swibes. A uh, tribe called Quest. Oh, interesting. A tribe called Quest. Yes. And Can he makes that. a little joke. He says, um, Andrew Swibes introducing a tribes called Quest. And he goes, sorry, just trying to – I'm nervous up here. I've never talked to in yeah. front of 250,000 people before. But people are still applauding. Like, oh, they're loving yeah, it. Yeah, they're getting into it. Can I kick it? <laughs> yes, you can, Andrew. So it goes really well. Uh, and it's a fantastic selection there from Andrew. Um, and I hope uh, hope it's everything you want. We're yeah. get, they're opening the festival for us. That's great. That's huge. It's a big open. We – we're not having any duds. <laughs> That's what it's called the No Duds Festival. Yeah. It's all no studs. Duds allowed. No duds. <laughs> yeah. Not a bad name, actually. Thank you. All studs, no duds. Thank you so much, Swibesy. Hope you don't mind me calling. That's you what that. you should be calling your um, UK tour. Swibesy. No, all studs. All no studs, duds. no duds. 
Yes. I'm Tundra the Rand. dud. You're the stud. I mean, the, the tour is starting this week. Should we? Should we rename it? Rename it. I think it'll be worth it. What about all studs in brackets apart from one? Oh. You choose. <laughs> choose the dud. <laughs> you choose the dud. You got the dud. <laughs> you got the dud. Set up yourself, Poindexter. <laughs> uh, I'd also love to thank from Sacramento in California, United States, Morgan. Good Morgan. Good Morgan to Morgan, who is introducing uh, the Prodigy. Yeah, is uh, we is this like a, a mythical festival? We where- can have everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they're still going. But what was their front man? Keith Flint sadly died. Yeah, he was another sort band of the that I was man, right? very big into in the nineties. Mm. Very influential. Another in my band childhood. that I would not have been surprised to see on that lineup. Yeah, Fatboy Slim was on there. Wow. Chemical Brothers. So I reckon oh, rounding out those three would be the prodigy, like the, the biggest, like the three big beat bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Morgan, yeah, brought a lot them of along. Busting beats from those sort of bands. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine if they were back with another one of those. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Morgan, fantastic selection. And finally, from me, I'd love to thank from Tulare, also in California, in the United States. It's Candace Harrison, Savage Garden. Oh, the fourth. The fourth of the big four. Yeah. Wow. Pretty huge. <laughs> Pretty huge. I believe in <laughs> And other songs. Yeah. What's so. it? I like that one that went chicka cherry chan. Yeah. Is that the same one? No, no, Is that ooh-wah, ooh-wah, Sorry. Get confused with corn and the vocal work of Darren Hayes. It happens a lot. Dave, do oh, you want you to thank got, some people? There oh, was sorry. a photo I posted on our social medias recently and someone said, oh, hello, Darren Hayes, to saying that you Dave. look like Darren Hayes. Photo of me. Yeah. I'll take that, a yeah. 90s superstar. Gorgeous. Yeah. That's a hot man. That's a hot man. Thanks very much. And so is Darren Hayes. <laughs> Stop flirting with Dave. I won't. We're at work. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, next up, I'd like to thank from New York, New York, James Lee, who's introducing Missy Elliott. Oh! Her neck, her back, etc. Wow. wow. Exciting. Exciting. There's two ways you can go when you start with Missy. Yeah. Well, there's at least two. Uh-huh. And you went one of those ways. Yeah. And I think you've done a fantastic effort. Uh, geez, this festival is going to sell out too quickly. Too quickly, That'd be yeah. my only... Concern about it. Oh, that's another thing. One of the organisers said was, "We can't vet every person who buys a ticket." Okay, <laughs> like saying, you know, again saying, it's it's just a bunch of individuals making bad choices. The fact that they all formed a mob when they were just mm. like disparate groups of people means that probably no environmental, um, like Jess said, they probably didn't need to look into any of their sort of yeah setup issues. Couldn't possibly have been them. Hey, I can. I've now realised why I just wanted me to go next. Uh, I would like to do a big shout out now to uh, a Patreon supporter from Iceland, the most beautiful country I've ever visited. Well, that and makes sense. That's why I just wanted you to thank them because it's one of your favourite countries. Uh, this is from Reykjanesbar, which I'm looking up on the map. It's very close to Reykjavik, the capital city that I have. I've been to. I love that we've got a bunch of Icelandic right. listeners. Yeah, it's That's, really cool. It's, my dream would be if we could do a show oh there. Oh, my God. If, you, if you're there and you can spread the word, if we could sell like between 50 and 100 tickets, that would be worth it for me. I will come and do a show in Iceland. Yeah. 
please spread the word. And a big shout out to, because they are doing the work already, Aspor Belderson. I'm so sorry if that's wrong, but Aspor Belderson from Reckonspear, Iceland. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Do we go with an Icelandic act? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You've got the the big three, right? Bjork, Mm -hmm. Sigur Ross. And who's the other one I'm thinking of? The more recent, more Triple Jay-Z one from recent years. Oh, flow. No, it's not, is it? It's a, it's, not. A, it's like a what are they called? Monsters and Oh, of Monsters and Men. Of Monsters and Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they're Icelandic. Yes. I'm saying that based on Dave's Google search. Okay. Oh, they have come up. I was thinking you thinking about this band that did that song that they performed at Eurovision that was awesome. Let's go with Monsters and Men. Oh, They're Monsters great. and Men. Fantastic. So great to uh, have them on the lineup being introduced by none other than Aspor Belderson. Thank you so much. Nailed that. So good. And I would also like to thank now from Location Unknown. Oh, exciting. I can only imagine it's either Iceland or deep within the fortress of the moles. And that is. And we haven't ruled out the two being the same place yet. That's right. Yeah. Could be the, the entrance to the lair has got to be somewhere. That's right. The lair is somewhere. <laughs> and this is all in capital letters and one word, Stimpaxon. Big shout out to Stimpaxon. Stimpaxon. Uh, what about Anderson Pack? Oh, cool. That's good. Multi-instrumentalist, multi-talented, multi-banded. Multi-Grammy award winning. Just, uh, just a, yeah. Great act on any festival lineup. I imagine when you get Anderson Pack on a lineup, mm. you'll find him popping up playing drums for you know, for uh, Monsters of, and Men. Yep. I'd actually in. be pretty surprised to see that happen. But yeah. you know, maybe for one of the other acts. <laughs> Can't stop him. Um, may I thank some people also? Please do. I would love to thank from Newcastle, New South Wales. Jess Evans. Evans. See, Dave, I get tricky names too. (laughs) Home of the Star Hotel that uh, Cold Chisel famously sang about, which is interesting because Cold Chisel is playing and it being introduced by Jess Evans. Amazing. That's a good get. That's a good get. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Original lineup, all members living and dead will be there. Wow. Watch out. As in they come back from the dead or it's just their corpses? Oh, I think it's. I think it maybe this is this is festival's happening in a, on a different plane. Okay, great. Yeah. that's good then. Um, I would also love to thank from Denver, Colorado, Alan Shurman. How about Cher? Oh, I do the, believe. The of Woodstock '99. Doing a duet with the singer Cher because a few times you did say Cher and I was like Cher was the. Oh, hang on a second. Yeah, I, I John the same. Cher. John Cher How's duetting with Cher Rillen. Yes. Whatever her name is. The only thing is John Cher will not perform outside the balcony of the Carlton Ritz. (laughs) (laughs) Which is luckily where this festival is occurring. Yeah, that's right. This one's actually at the Ritz. What is the Carlton Ritz anyway? I don't know. I always assumed that would be here in Melbourne. (laughs) Because of Carlton? Yeah. But Hmm. that's just the name of a thing. It's just a a chain of... Of like nice places. Yeah. Nice hotels. Of like nice places. Nice places. (laughs) They're pretty nice. The headquarter is at Chevy Chase Manor in Chevy Chase, Maryland, in the United States. Okay. Is his name a joke on a location? Let's not get stuck in a Wikipedia wormhole. Okay, we've got one more Let's finish this and then let's definitely dive into that because I'm desperate to know. Okay, yes. Finally, I would love to thank also from deep within the Fortress of the Moles. Interesting. Duke. 
Triceratops. Whoa. Confidence Man. Is that the coolest name ever? Yes, it is. And Duke's introducing Confidence Man. That's right. Oh, okay. He, you're not call- I thought you were calling him out. No, Oop. no, no. I'm he's saying- He's a con man. I'm saying he's introducing Confidence Man. Oh, yes. I remember, were you there the year they played at Meredith and they- no. Festival was abuzz with their performance. I saw them live only a couple of months ago and it was one of the most fun live gigs I've ever been to. It was so good. That's They're awesome. crazy. It's great. Um, so and I can only imagine being introduced by Duke Triceratops takes their performance to the next yeah, level. Yeah, it just feels fitting. So there you go. Thank you so much to Duke Allen, Jess Stimpaxon, Aspor, James, Candace, Morgan, and Andrew, or Swabsy as I like to call him. <laughs> uh, the last thing we like to do, and in some ways need to do, because we said we would. Why am I saying it like that? <laughs> Uh, the last thing we need to do is induct some people into the Triptych Club. Dave, what, what is the Triptych Club again? These are people that have been on the shout-out level or above for three consecutive years, which we really appreciate. It's obviously been a while since we've shouted them out the first time. And to to thank them for their years of support, we induct them into a Hall of Fame-style clubhouse-slash-bar-slash-imaginary-theatre-of-the-mind place yep. that we hang out forever. Forever and, and ever. I can't the, leave. There's drinks on tap. There's previous guests. Well, not guests this week, actually, Dave, because I am in charge of food and drinks. And yes. On theme, um, we don't have any. <laughs> I have a few. That's good. I've got a few of those like fire festival kind of sandwiches. Yeah. Um, I've I've got three of them. So first Even and those best dress. Look fancy these days with their iceberg lettuce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're one bit of shit cheese. <laughs> and um, and I do have about twenty. Small bottles of water, so I'll be selling those for about ten thousand dollars each. Wow, great! Uh, normally, drinks and food and everything are complimentary, but not this week. Okay, well, uh, Dave, are you ready? There's a few to read out, and we've also got a band. Oh, we've, we've got the band. Who's got, playing the album? Uh, we've got uh, Corn, but it's just the singer Jonathan Davies or Davis, Davis yes. singing uh, a cappella for an hour. I think this is going to suck. So, uh, obviously, it's a tribute to the 99 Woodstock. We always theme it. Yes, that's right. So, sit back and enjoy the ma-ma-ma. I found him to be very... He was interviewed on the doco series and he was very likable. He was just sort of like... He was like... He he just um, had the best time in their performance. And he seemed, you know, he just seemed very sweet. Good Mm. for him. That's nice. Uh, all right, are we ready? Yep. I'd love to induct. So I'm standing at the door, of course. I've got the clipboard ready. I've just lifted up the velvet rope. If your name gets called out, please make your way forward. Firstly, from Berlin in Deutschland, it's Shockery Francis Rauf. Shockery? Uh, Shockery to the heart. Oh, that's good stuff. Shockery to the heart. Yes, Dave, nailed it. I'd also love to thank from Ardeer in Victoria here. In <laughs> Ooh, Australia, I did hear. I did Tom hear. Murray. Tom Murray. Tom, it's in a hurry yep. into my heart. Yes. <laughs> Are From they all hot? Okay. Belson in Texas in the United States, it's Jeremy Klein. Klein, he's been in line. He's done his time. And now get into the club, my friend. And into your heart. Yes, into my Woo! heart. From uh, Menominee in <laughs> Wisconsin in the United States, it's Mind Bender. I can oh. I just say Menominee. Mind Bender. Menominee. Mind Bender. Menominee, Mindbender, 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 get in the club and my heart. 
We should also we get the Muppets to play as well someday. We got nothing from him for I that. Know, that was pretty good. Absolutely, we he didn't, didn't rehearse. Even, he didn't even glance up at us. But I mean, you just I did it. I did that, and then you you did it again. I gave you as much as you gave me. I said, "Menominee, Wisconsin, United States." Don't take credit for you us. You did not. For you just art. sounded it out, and then I took it to the next level <laughs> with the help of my friend Jess Perkins. Okay, <laughs> from Sheffield in England. I'd love to welcome in Hannah Whelan. Oh, how we feeling, Hannah, Hannah Whelan? From Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, I'd love to welcome in Jack Taylor. Jack Taylor, he ain't no failure. Nuh-uh. He's a succeeder. From <laughs> Dawson Creek in British Columbia in Canada, it's Cassie Haywood. Cass- 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 Getting sassy with Cassie. <laughs> and you didn't even practice that. I'd love to thank from Orakai in Auckland, New Zealand, Benjamin Blackhall. Oh, more like Orafly with Benjamin Blackhall. From Valdez in North Carolina <laughs> in the United States, I'd love to thank Ethan Christian. Uh, yes, Valdez. Oh, yes, please. Oh, yep. Yes, yeah, please, yeah, Valdez. No, I got it. That's good. Ethan, I hope you're enjoying the blue fire trucks. From <laughs> Little Egg Harbor in New Jersey Cute. in the United States, it's Brittany. Brittany. Brittany, I ain't shitney when I say <laughs> you're a legend. From <laughs> I ain't shitting thee, Brittany. <laughs> from Cape Town in South Africa, I'd love to welcome in Ryan. Ryan, I'm flying with this guy. <laughs> from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right there on the Golden Mile in the United States, it's Crystal Cobbett. Crystal Cobbett. Ain't a hobbit. She ain't. But I still love you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I usually love hobbits. I'm only. And finally, from Kennesaw in Georgia in the United States, it's Elizabeth Brown. We're going to Brown Town with Elizabeth up top. Woo! Going for a high five. Welcome in, Elizabeth, Crystal, Brian, Brittany, Ethan, Benjamin, Cassie, Jack, Hannah, Mindbender, Jeremy, Tom, and Shockery. Welcome into the club. Make yourselves at home. Yes. Hang around. Get ready for a bit of a cappella, Jonathan Davis. <laughs> Rub it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, anything else we need to tell people just before we head off? Um, that you can suggest a topic at dogoonpod.com, which is also where you can find links to tickets for our live shows. You can find our bonus episodes and other podcasts that we do. You can find merch, just about anything you'd possibly need. You can find us on social media at Dugo on Pod um, and uh, wash your butt. Remember to wash your butt. It's a beautiful message. Never forget Never to forget. wash your butt. Hey, we'll be back next week with another episode. We're getting closer to that block podium every single week. But until then, also thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Laters. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.